What's up? Wrestling fans! Ah, it's that time once again for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling. That's right, it's time once again for this week's edition of 607TWS. Of course, I'm one of your hosts here on 607 Podcast. I'm also the host of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast. My name is Rich. And of course, joining me as he does each and every week, the other host here at 607 Podcast. And more importantly, he is the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay, our podcast, better known as the OTPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, Mother Nature can't hold us back. We found a way to record, damn it. Oh my God, it's been a week. I'm it has been a week. Obviously, I did not open by saying we were live on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast because unfortunately we are not live on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast this week not because of our own volition of course mm-hmm. usually we come to you monday nights 8 p.m eastern time but uh, at that time a, a a fringe snowstorm yes decided to roll through the 607 now it was six to ten inches that's not a big deal not around here in upstate new york no, this is kind yeah, of- that's 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 nothing Right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, it was mixed with a lot of rain, so it was very heavy snow, and that turned out to take out transformers in power lines. So a lot of our area has been without power since somewhere in the early morning hours of Tuesday. Correct. Some places still do not have power. Hence, Dragon Master Games, which houses the Eight One Two Two Production Studios, that also houses all of our streaming stuff. And so we had to make a game time decision. We made a game time decision on Monday to say, hey, we're not going to put ourselves in harm's way. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it off. We're going to move it to Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it's you know pre-game kind of for AEW Dynamite. Yes, sir. Now <laughs> we've had to change it again. So we're not live streaming, but we are anywhere you get great podcasts by searching 607TWS and hope you'll find it. We're going to spam it out there after I put it up. We're going to put it up right after I leave the room. I'm going to go home. We're just going to get the master up and we're going to go, go, go. And I'm going to make sure that I get the feed also on uh, 8122productions.com because uh, there's there's a 607TWS page there. There will be a feed right on there. Uh, the show, I'm, I'll make sure I put it up by itself even just so you guys can see it because I just have to put a code in there and we'll be fine. Uh, so that way, if it's not on your favorite podcast provider, you can always go to 8122productions.com and, and hear it. And also, if it's not on your favorite podcast provider, please let me know. We are going to be rectifying that very, very soon as we will be moving from providers. Mm. Uh, we currently use a... We didn't know how popular the show was going to be. Let's sure. just let's start, start it off. We, you know, originally it was the offshoot of Three FNW, which was on the six, uh, was on the Three Fatners podcast, correct? Family of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Then it started to pick up some speed. We went, okay, how is it easier to find somewhere? We were it was just the wrestling show that we we that's how six hundred seven TWS came about. It was just the it's just the wrestling show. We just threw six hundred seven in front of it because you know six hundred seven podcast. As a matter of fact, the show was never called six hundred seven TWS until we went on our own. Right. It was always just called the wrestling show. Yeah, that's how we always. And then it. we used the hashtag six hundred seven TWS because why not? You know that's where we're from. We're six hundred seven podcast. We're repping the same set. Mm-hmm. We're doing a wrestling show, right? Yes. Well, 
it kind of got to the point where like, oh, it's picking up steam. How could it pick up more steam? Oh, let's give it its own channel. So then we went out and we were like, okay, we don't know how busy it is. So we'll go to a cheaper provider, which is still good. It's still getting out there. Oh, absolutely. We're still getting good numbers. But as it grows, I'm like, I need to be on a better provider. <laughs> and that's really the, the thing. So 607 TWS take it off. It's the place where people go to hear logical discussions about pro wrestling, where they go to hear real, not just the same, you know, Rehashed, recycled uh, bullshit verbiage. You know, this is not wrestling observer, baby. <laughs> Man, by the way, I got a nice little audio clip. I, I don't know if I can play it or not because I, I, it's testing the waters every time I I poke the bear over there, wrestling observer. But Brian Alvarez, we'll talk about it in the second half of the show. Mm. He came to a real realization this yes, week. Yes, he did. But we're only going to do two halves of the show this week. I might as well just throw it out there in front. In the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about some AEW news because there's some. there was a big week of programming for them. Yes, there was. On top of a big week of programming for them, there's still some news. We're one of the very few outlets that are talking about some real things going on probably behind the scenes of uh, All Elite Wrestling. We're going to touch on that some more because there's more to that story. There's some other stories spawning. And in the second half, I'm also going to reveal another part of Rich's jewels, if you will, taking my time from the wrestling business and kind of throwing some uh, knowledge out there to some wrestlers out there. I was going to do something completely different with it this week, but then something happened on the internet, which I've been taking a sabbatical from, as you know. Mm -hmm. I've been going on, checking, you know, if I've been tagged and stuff, I've been putting out promotional stuff, but I've been taking a step back because it's kind of toxic and I needed to cleanse and I had a couple weeks of cleanse and it's been very nice to my uh, my, my brain. I don't it, have headaches anymore. It never hurts to do once in a while. You got to do it every once in a while. But uh, there's some stuff that I saw because as I put it out, I'll see some things that just goes, ah, this, <laughs> this right here is kind of what I was talking about last week and it came to fruition more this week. But uh, so that'll be that. And of course, in the opening bout, we're going to talk about uh, we got somebody uh, left WWE, mm-hmm. not fired, just left. Just, yeah. And uh, that's also going to spark uh, I got an interesting conversation that I want to ask for you as well, because this seems to be out there in the internet. I think we need to have this conversation. And then also we're going to be talking about huge GCW news, a couple of GCW news, and also previewing the upcoming weekend going down in their Cleveland, Ohio debut. Yes. Well, Columbus, Ohio, technically, Columbus. but, you know, greater Cleveland area. Sure. And, of course, their return to Detroit, so Friday and Saturday. So we'll be talking about that in the open. But... Before we get there, Ken M, tell the fine folks how to find yourself in the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. Check out Parlay Points. A new blogs count anywhere is up right now. Talking what, about what? AEW Battle for the Be- Battle of the Belts 2. Talking Circle 6, Terrible Lie. And talking Glory Pro Wrestling, which has a big show this Sunday Live at the pageant. Yeah, we'll be talking about that a little bit before the break, too. Yes. Throw out some things. because also IWTV's got some stuff coming out this weekend. Yes, so definitely you want to make sure to check out that. And for anything that is everything that is the ODPH, is ODPHpodcast.com. That's simple. Let's keep it simple and easy this week. If you were trying to find a 3 Fatters podcast, go to 8122productions.com. I already mentioned there. There you can find links to the T Public Store, the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash podcast, which you should already be signed up for. Because then you can join us in chat every Monday night. When we resume, probably this upcoming week, we'll obviously resume. Hopefully, unless Mother Nature, let's knock on some wood in studio, just because uh, hopefully Mother Nature complies with us. We'll be back, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live for 607 TWS. Come chat with us while we talk pro wrestling. Also, uh, coming up, big time, April the 30th. Mm Mm-hmm. April the 30th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm taking myself away from watching some GCW for this, by the way. I just want to point this I, out. I know. When I read the date, I was like, I did it on really purpose because I, because it's the only time I have available to do it. I wanted to do it in the month of April. It's the end of the month of April, but we are doing live the three fat nerds 
fourth year anniversary extra extravaganza. We're celebrating four full years in podcasting, which already came up thanks to the ODPH for yes. mentioning it. I didn't even bring it up because uh, I was waiting for the party, but I was like, cool. That's, you know I got a shout I, I love it. I love it. But uh, that's coming up on uh, Saturday, April 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we are going to be chatting about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I can confirm to you, I said it on the show, it is the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Because I feel like we need to dive into it. We're all re-watching it. And we're going to dive into it, not just as a review, but as like a social commentary <laughs> about how this movie layers. Let's just say, as an adult, there is fucking layers to that movie. I know we've all talked about it in the past. We're going to put it to that because we're going to have an entertaining time. And you never know who will show up. Probably Ken M will be there. I, I, I only suspect because he usually is. And then who yeah, else? Who else will probably be there? We we don't know. I'm just keeping that under hat. But April 30th, make sure you're already following us over on Twitch TV slash 607 Podcast. Of course, our Patreon link is there for as little as one dollar a month to get a ton of extra uh, content. Patreon.com slash eight one two two productions. That's right on the website as well. And of course, you can hit us up on social media. Three Fat Nerds Pod. Throwing that in front of it on every social media, and you can find us. And uh, that's about it. Because I know we're going to plug it a little bit later. But, you know what? We got a lot to talk about this week. So, Ken M., I know this is one of your favorite times of week because... It's time! That's right. It's time to officially get 607 TWS this week off and running. And let's open it up with the news that uh, we all found out about this past week as Koshida has uh, officially left World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, the report is coming out from Sean Ross Sapp and Dave Meltzer and everybody else that this is not a let go. Mm-hmm. This is not a firing. This is actually the kind his contract expired and he had no interest in re-signing. Uh, most people believe that he will be returning to New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I also think. Uh, before we dive into any further things, because there's some rumors out in the ether that I've kind of put to rest and some that I might pick up. How are your thoughts on the uh, departure of Kushida from World Wrestling Entertainment. Not super surprised. I mean, obviously, him being in NXT and the transition to 2.0, you were wondering how many of the, I don't want to say old guard, but let's face it, I mean, the established black and gold brand members were going to be staying around. And I think for him, I think he got really as much out of it as he wanted to, and I think that this is going to be a great chance for him to go somewhere else and you know, get away from what they're doing there because I don't really think that was meshing up with his style. In my opinion, I agree with you. I, I just think that he got lost in the shuffle, and mm-hmm. it wasn't for him. And then when black and gold went, that was pretty much the writing was on the wall. Um, with that being said, though, you know I've heard some interesting things. Of course, whenever somebody leaves World Wrestling Entertainment, oh man, the first three letters that come up is AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that Kashida's going back to New Japan. Now, that's not saying he won't make an appearance at AEW, as we know. Uh, we'll talk about it more in the second half of the show. There is a working relationship between New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling, so therefore, I'm he may be on a show there. But there's one rumor that I want to talk about because I just don't. I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe as a one-off or something like that, it could happen. But uh, a lot of people were like, well, the Time Splitters need to come to the AEW tag division. Of course, the Time Splitters are Kushida and Alex Shelley. And the rumor I wanted to spell there, unless something completely different happens, if you have independentwrestling.tv, if you don't and you're a wrestling fan, I suggest ordering it. Mm-hmm. Uh, simple, Keep it simple for you. If you use the uh, promo code ABSOLUTE, you can get a five-day free trial, and it's only $9.99 a month. And there's a ton of different kinds of wrestling on there. I'm sure they'll find some. We're even going to list off some things that are going down this week on IWTV at the end of this segment. Uh, but with that being said, uh, there's a really cool thing on there, and it's called In the Life Of. And what they're doing is they give independent wrestlers a camera 
and they GoPro and they film their lives. Okay. They film what they do for a living, their jobs, the backstage stuff, like just to get you in there. And they've done such a great job. They've done Sugar Dunkington did one, which is really good. John Wayne Murdoch got a big response. Of course, his son Blake now is making a living for himself. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> off of his appearance on there and calling people bums. Yeah. B U M bums. Fantastic. And now you can buy shirts. And fanny packs, and all of those are uh, brought to you by the boys over at Four Fire O, because he's a big fan, and uh, they they helped him get a merch sales, and they gave him all the monies. Uh, I heard that he's got to be made to put some away because uh, if not, he likes to get a little bit too much candy. Ah, he's enough. a young he's a young man. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, they just did one with Alex Shelley, which was a two parter, is about almost two hours long. That's mm-hmm. why it was a two parter. Usually these things are only like. 45 minutes long, an hour tops. They had almost two hours of stuff with Alex Shelley, which is really cool and interesting to find out about Alex Shelley and his, his journey. Of course, you know, he is a, right now, he, he's got like three degrees. Yeah, something uh, crazy like he's, that. Yeah, he's also an athletic trainer. So he does PT, physical therapist. And so that's really his passion. So he left wrestling to do that even. And then he came back to wrestling just because he was like, well, there's a lot of young guys out here that grew up watching me. And I got that itch. And I just didn't want to do it as a full-time thing. So that's where I come into this, be careful about the time slurs. Could you see a one-off? Maybe. Maybe a couple matches. That'd be cool. However, the thing is, Alex Shelley has said in this thing that he's like, I have no interest in working for AEW. I have no interest in working for WWE. I love independent wrestling. I just want to work, you know, I want to be a physical therapist. Monday through Friday, and I want to work wrestling shows on the weekend. That's all I want to do, and wrestle young talent that I can mentor and help come up in this game. And I thought it was really cool, and I, so that's why I'd say I don't think you're going to see the time slurs. Now, mind you, if they do a one-off or maybe a couple-off, I, I, I'm not saying that we might not get an FTR versus Time Splitters match, which would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying uh, Alex Shelley's not coming in for a full run. I agree with you. I just don't see him doing that at this stage of the career. I think he's enjoying the indies too much, as we've seen. He's big. I think if anything, you would see the time splitters in GCW. Oh yeah, he's he's loving his time there and other places in independentwrestling.tv. Remember, Alex Shelley, former IWTV World Heavyweight Champion. Mm-hmm. So like he's he, like I said, if you watch this, he, I believe the man because this is how he's always done his career. Yeah, absolutely. He's enjoying what he's doing now. Interesting though, he did say he missed Japan a lot. I wonder if he would take a vacation from work to go over to Japan for a couple weeks for New Japan to see some friends and maybe do time splitters over there. There's a possibility of that. Once again, I'm not saying that they won't tag together. I think they will in the Indies somewhere. I think maybe even AEW they will. And and hopefully, for all of us fans of New Japan, hopefully they do it at least a couple times in New Japan as well. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think you're going to see that long run because Alex Shelley is is happy being a physical therapist. No, I agree with you. I think anything would be a one-off. It could be a Wednesday night thing on Dynamite one time. But, yeah, nothing long-term. I would love to see them versus FTR. Oh, my God. No matter where it's at, I would love to see that. So, hopefully that does happen. But I'm just saying, for all the people out there, I hate to bring you guys down. If you don't believe me, independentwrestling.tv, the life of... Alex Shelley, check it out. Two part. It's actually fuck. It's awesome. Mm. Dude loves playing disc golf. Yeah, got me wanting to play disc golf. I just want to throw out there. <laughs> so we're we're sitting there and uh, me and the kid watched it. It was very good. So check that out. IWTV. We'll be talking about them more uh, because there's a lot of stuff coming up on IndependentWrestling.tv this week. But let's let's continue talking about them because let's jump right on over to some game changer wrestling news. Hell and yeah! On a week where GCW had a lot of huge announcements. This has got to be the biggest, and it dropped today as we were recording. Now, mind you, if we would have recorded on Monday, we wouldn't have been talking about this until next week. So it's mm-hmm. kind of nice. But today, via an official statement put out by Game Changer Wrestling, it says as follows. 
Game Changer Wrestling is pleased to announce that we have come to terms on a settlement agreement with IWTV that brings an end to litigation between the parties. Wow. Of course, if you remember, there was some litigation over uh-huh. owning masters and and because IWTV is like, you breached your contract, but GCW was like, you breached your contract. It was kind of a little fight going on between the two of them as GCW in the meantime became the biggest wrestling, well, the biggest independent wrestling company on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this goes on to say, this agreement represents a significant milestone for GCW, but most importantly, service, services as a victory for independent, all in capitals, wrestling and its fans. This agreement also affirms our long-held belief that GCW is the sole owner, in all capitals, of our extended library, which includes all Game Changer Wrestling, Jersey Championship Wrestling, and LA Fights events. This is important not just for GCW, but for independent wrestling promotions across the United States and aboard as we all navigate the ever-changing landscape of professional wrestling. Further, this agreement removes obstacles that had previously limited our ability to capitalize on our content and clears the way for us to move forward with ambitious plans to, in quotations, change the game in 2022 and beyond. Can you say streaming deal? Hmm? You gotta think it. Well, we've, that's what we've been waiting on is this litigation. Uh, most importantly, the settlement allows us to focus all of our efforts and resources on what matters, dot, 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 producing and dev, uh, delivering the best product possible for our rapidly growing and global fan base. Finally, while this agreement uh, defines a conclusion to our relationship with IWTV, it does not mean it's the last time you will see GCW on the platform. As part of this arrangement, GCW will provide IWTV with... In quotations, the Settlement Series, a series of eight live events uh, spanning the course of the next year. We look forward to announcing dates and details on these events in the coming weeks. Hmm. We'll get into that more because IWTV has a statement too. We're going to talk about that in a minute, so keep that in mind. Uh, This last year has been trying as a small business. Our resources are not unlimited. Litigation was at uh, last resource. Resort, sorry, but a necessary step in establishing our independence. At the end of the day, we thrive in the arena and our resources are best directed towards the ring, dot, 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 not the courtroom. Enduring the process would not have been possible without the support of our crew, our performers, and most importantly, dot, 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 the fans. Your loyalty has been unwavering and together we have continued to make history and take both Game Changer Wrestling and Independent Wrestling to new heights GCW logo to finish it. Uh, how do you feel about that statement? Uh, big, big win. That's a big win. Landmark case. I think you, you know, they'll, this will be used as a benchmark for a lot of independent promotions moving forward. I, but it's a win-win overall. I mean, this has been something that, you, like you touched upon, this is something that's been tied up for litigation hell for I don't know how long. Uh, a couple of years now. Yeah. So the fact that it's finally done, all for it. So IWTV also put out a statement. After that statement, you can tell from the wording of this. Of course, two sides have every story, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about the differences here. IndependentWrestling.tv, in parentheses IWTV, is pleased to announce that it has settled its lawsuit with Game Changer Wrestling, in parentheses GCW. This settlement verifies IWTV's contention that GCW should be held accountable to the agreement which they had previously signed with IWTV. The lawsuit was never over, and never, by the way, is in bold and is under uh, underlined. Over ownership of the video footage, as IWTV partners can attest, the IWTV agreements clearly state that the promoters retain all rights, title, and interest to the programs. 
Rather than continue to waste time and money on legal fees, which could be better spent on boosting independent wrestling and our independent wrestling partner promotions, IWTV has agreed to accept a series of eight GCW live events, which will be shown in all caps exclusively on IWTV, as well as distributed on DVD and BR and uh, BR via SmartMark video. So on demand, pretty much. Mm-hmm. IWTV wants to take this moment to thank its fans and its partner promotions for staying loyal to independent wrestling and to IWTV during this period. With this distraction finally removed, we now look forward to years of streaming the best of independent wrestling from our partner promotions, end quote. Um, so, lots to unpack, obviously. Uh, basically, two sides of the story. On one end, IWTV feels like they were... So, basically, let's, let's boil down that. We've talked about this in the past. Sure. Let's just boil it down to a nutshell, just so guys that can catch up. Um, basically, GCW felt that IWTV was in breach of their contract. So they stopped producing shows for IWTV. This was a three, four years ago? Three years ago, I think it was. No, four. I think it was before four. the pandemic. I think it was four. So it was three or four years ago. And in the meantime, before they went, uh, the pandemic ended up happening, and that was why the original GCW shows were not on Fight TV, because they could not get a deal together. A la what we talked about, getting on Fight TV is not the, exactly the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, that was just a raw, anonymous general manager chiming in because uh, I might have said something wrong, but okay, yeah. continuing on. Sorry about that. Uh, but then, okay, so going back to it, what ends up happening is they started doing YouTube and then they went on Fight TV. And then in that process, they became the biggest independent wrestling promotion in the world. Of course, IWTV wanted their part of that mm. and kind of threatened them, pushed them around, allegedly held their, and I'm saying allegedly, being somebody in the know, allegedly held their masters hostage. Mm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Wink, wink. Mm. And GCW was like, we just want our masters back. Took them to court, sued them for money. They tried to, uh, IWTV was trying to get the money that GCW makes now out of the time that they were gone. And basically, the way that I understand it, this settlement was a nice olive branch from GCW. And the reason I say that is coming into these in the past couple months, GCW had gotten the upper hand. Yeah. Uh, the judge had thrown out a bunch of thug stuff. The judge had also said that they that, that uh, IWTV was in breach of their contract. Hmm. So damages were kind of hard. They did say that GCW should have, you know, adhered to it. Now, I think that what the settlement series is, is just the eight events that they owed them. Yeah. So they're just going to do eight events that owe them, which now, and let's say, bygones are bygones. I still like independentwrestling.tv. They have a lot of cool stuff on it. And I'm still a huge GCW fan. Sure. You know, it's kind of the same thing yeah, with Circle same. Six and GCW. I don't get involved in fucking quarrels. We ain't here for the we're politics. Just, we're, we're just here, here for, for the, the yeah, it's for my entertainment. Going forward, though, this is a, the best thing that could happen to independentwrestling.tv because they already have some really great things on there. AIW's on there. Uh, PWX is on there from the, the Carolinas. AIW is on there, which is going to have a big event this week, and we'll talk about that later. There's so many great things. There's a lot of deathmatch wrestling stuff on there. There's a lot of comedy stuff. On, there's just a ton of stuff on IWTV. There's a little bit for everybody we talk about all the time. Yeah. But now they're going to get the power of having eight exclusive GCW titles. That's big. So that means in this next year, GCW is giving them eight events. So those are eight events that we won't be buying on Fight.TV, that GCW won't be making a boat ton of money on because we found out that they make a ton of money through Fight.TV. So this is kind of in the pocket a little bit, but it's it's do or do is do. And this is going to be really good for IWTV because there's a lot of people who fell out of watching IWTV because GCW left. Right. So now they're going to come back at least to watch these eight exclusive shows over the next year. So I think it's a win-win for both companies. And then GCW gets all their masters back. 
They get to possibly start a streaming site, which we know is something they want to do. Mm-hmm. Possibly sell some Blu-rays, which is something they wanted to do, right. where they can make some money off of the older shows that some of these some GCW fans have never seen because they were older shows. So it's it's a win-win in my opinion. I don't know how do you feel about no, it. No, I definitely agree with you about this. Like I said, this is a landmark case because I think this is going to set a benchmark, to, you know, about doing that business. And I think for GCW, this is this is a monster win for them. Because this is basically all they wanted for IWTV. This helps them, too, because with the popularity of GCW, this will get eyes on your product. And it's a great product, too, with, with all, like you touched upon, all the, the different styles of wrestling, different companies they run. If this is going to be something exclusive and we don't know like who, who's going to exactly be doing what on there, this is still a win because as fans, you still get a chance to see GCW. You get in on a new platform. You're probably going to, you know, when you sign up, you can definitely go check out some other things if you're not signed up already. It's a win-win. And there's some stuff from the past you can see that uh, you can't find anywhere else. Right. Uh, so, so you got some a great company out in New York there, uh, ESW, mm-hmm. Empire State Wrestling. They're on there. Check out their events. Also, you can check out Excite Wrestling. You know, we talk about Excite Wrestling. Excite Wrestling does have some events on there. I wish they would put more on there, but they have events on right. there. Right. So, I mean, it's always a good tool. And I, I think it's it's, it's going to be a, a win-win for both companies, in my opinion. Uh, moving forward, though, uh, let's talk about some other huge GCW news that we learned of this week. Yes. So... Upcoming in June fourth and fifth, they you know upco- actually next weekend, the uh, uh, April thirtieth and May first, they will be not this upcoming weekend, the following weekend I should say, they will be back in their home base of Atlantic City, New Jersey for a couple shows. But we already know when they're going back to Atlantic City, and that is the Saturday, June fourth, and Sunday, June fifth. And the reason we know is because we already known for a long time mm-hmm. this Saturday, June fourth, is going to be the annual. The annual, the creme de la creme for deathmatch wrestling, Tournament of Survival. Right. Tournament, Tournament of Survival 7 will take place on June 4th. Also on June 4th, later that evening, we are going to get the uh, uh, ultra-violent Hall of Fame this year. The GCW yes, ultra-violent Hall of Fame this year. Just they announced. have not announced who's going to go in yet mm-hmm. this year, but we've announced that that show is going to happen. All that will be going down on Fight TV. We know that. Now, that's not the news. Because we knew this was coming. We've talked about this. I already got my uh, I got my hotel stuff, but we're, we're waiting for the New York shows. We're going to get to that in a minute. I got mm. some more speculation and news. So, June 5th, though, there we knew there was a show. We knew it was going to be Atlantic City. We didn't know anything about it. We still don't know much about it, but we do know now it's going to be called COS. And they've been very tight-lipped about COS. They just dropped the name. They call it COS. Even on the... Game Changer Wrestling podcast that is only on the GGCW Patreon. They just set up COS. Yeah, you're going to wait to find out. COS. But there was a big clue that made me go, aha, and I should have known this was coming. So let's just start off by explaining my logic to this. TOS, Tournament of Survival, is the yearly, the one of two deathmatch tournaments they do, but it's the bigger one. Right. It is based off of... CZW, where all these guys came from, Combat Zone Wrestling, and it was in his prime, they did Tournament of Death, TOD. So TOS is just that homage to TOD. It's the new variation of it. That's why it's kind of like there's a linked lineage, especially because when Danny Havoc, God rest his soul, was still alive, he was a big proponent for TOS. Mm. So, let's go to COS. Brett then says on the podcast, and it makes the light bulb go off in my head, thinking, oh, TOS, TOD, TOS. He says, oh, I think you guys, somebody asked about gimmick matches. 
He said, oh, I guess there's some coming up, you know, because they were asking about the glass ceiling, which right. we both watched. Mm-hmm. And he says, I think there's some coming up that you're going to enjoy. As a matter of fact, there's that COS show we announced. I think there's a gimmick match involved there. And as soon as he said, the light bulb went off. And I go, motherfucker, it's Cage of Survival. Oh, shit. They're doing Cage of Death. Wow. So Tournament of Death, Cage of Death. Now, once again, this is not confirmed by Brett Lauderdale. Uh-huh. This is not confirmed from anybody in Game Changer right, Wrestling. Right, that makes sense, though. But when he said that, I, my mind instantly, go, and I did it in my car, I was like, holy shit. Cage of Survival. Tournament of Survival on the 4th. Cage of Survival on the 5th, which COD, Cage of Death, was the biggest show of the year every year for uh, for CZW. I have been at many a Cage of Deaths, whether in a working <laughs> or just as a fan. And this is exciting. And I hope that this is Cage of Survival. I hope that it is the New Age Cage of Death. And the fact that they're going to bookend this on the weekend going forward, this could be amazing. I, I, I This is a big bucket of win. If anybody knows what Cage of Death is, this is, this is going to be amazing. This is a thing of legend. Like if you if you know anything about CZW, this has always been something that is one of the top cards of the year for them. Cage of Death takes place what took place took in the place past with. in December. I mean they're back, but they're right. not doing as right, much right. as they used to do CZW. That is, but took place in December, and every year the cage would change. So the cage was never the same. Some years it was a team elimination match. Mm-hmm. Some years it was kind of like a war games. Some years it was like a singles one-on-one match. Some years it was a four-way match, ladder match. One year that I went to in particular is the CZW Championship on the line. And it was a four-way ladder match between A.R. Fox, the Ego Robert Anthony, uh, uh, Devin Moore, and Masada, I do believe, was in the match. I could be wrong. So there was four guys in the match. And the cage every year is a different design. They spend all year figuring out the design of this cage. It doesn't look like a normal cage. Mm. This particular year, like the cage sizes were out. You'd have to go look at it online. And from each buckle, there was a ladder, like a piece of a ladder that climbed towards the belt. And it was suspended from the buckles. Oh, that's wild. It was amazing. I'd have to show you. Go back if you can. IWTV has a bunch of cage deaths on. Go back and watch some of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a deathmatch element to them. But they weren't always with deathmatch guys. Right. And some guys only did one deathmatch ever, and it was Cage of Death. But it was it, there's a storyline always built in. One of my favorites of all time, I can't remember the number, so forgive me, uh, Sammy Callahan versus Dan, Danny Havoc in the Cage of Death. I've been there was that a, one, yeah. There was a car battery involved, is all yeah. I'm going to say. F- amazing. Uh, one of my first Cage of Death that I went to live was Cage of Death 12, and it was a four-on-four elimination-style match. Between uh, the Suicide Kings and uh, Pulp uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, it was fucking. Or sorry, Cult Fiction. I said Pulp Fiction. Cult Fiction. So you had on one side the late great Brain Damage, mm-hmm. Masada and Lucky Thirteen, and their tag partner, who was not part of Cult Fiction, but was their tag partner for that night, was the Golden Boy yes. Drake Younger when he was doing the Golden Boy gimmick. And on the other time, the Suicide Kings were Scotty Vortex. Danny Havoc, Devin Moore, and Eddie Kingston. And it was an elimination style match. And I remember Scotty Vortex came out with a weed whacker and Drake just (laughs) jumped out of the, because the way that you eliminate yourself from this cage was both feet touched the floor. Drake just jumped out of the cage. He's like, nope, no part of that tonight. (laughs) It was hilarious. Because that was when he was doing the fake tan gimmick and the boxing shorts coming on top. I'm like a rock. I am a mountain. It was crazy. And at the end of the night, he tried to sneak one in there. And Scotty Vortex got caught. And as he went to the back, tried to sneak away. B-Boy made his return and uh, shoved uh, Drake back in the ring for some comeuppance. But, yeah, it's it's always been a great show. 
And so I'm really sold. This is going to be uh, Cage of Survival. Yeah. Because it makes sense. Because I was thinking about it. I'm like, what the hell could this be? Literally heard that and it went off. It's fucking Cage of Survival. So if it is Cage of Survival, we don't have any insider stuff. You heard it here first. That's going to be huge. I mean, like I say, to take it back to the homage. And plus how much when GCW does those homage, you know, like they did with War Games, this is going to be something special. SGC versus the Briscoes and the SATs. Oh, Jesus Christ. It could be. I think, I honestly, I think it's going to be SGC versus the Briscoes in some fashion. It might be a four-way. Four it might be two-on-two. Two, I don't know. I really think that's what it's going to be. Because he, Nick Gage. Or maybe a I... three-way tag match with Bussy. Oh, that's true. So SGC versus Bussy versus the Briscoes. I could see it because I've heard the Briscoes are on that show. Would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. And it would make sense with the storyline going on there. Uh, so let's get into other news before we get into the preview and then some other stuff. Uh, the other GCW news that came out this week, of course, we've known for a while now, and the reason I'm not going to Atlantic City for TOS is because I'm going to New York, uh, not New York, sorry, Atlantic City, mm. is because I'm going to New York City on June 18th because they're returning to the Melrose Ballroom. But there's a TBA on June 19th, which is a Sunday. Now, lots of speculation. Some people, was uh, mind you, there's nothing out there. Right. S- some people are thinking maybe they'll return to Boston. Because they want to go back to Boston, Massachusetts. Some are thinking, you know, maybe somewhere else. But there's a TBA. It hasn't been announced yet. I'm assuming it now soon. It got a little spicy this week because Brett Lauderdale was in business. We've I, I can explain some more business after I say this. But he was in business in New York City. And he just so happened to take a series of photos of the Manhattan Center, a.k.a. the Hammerstein Ballroom. Hmm. Which got people instantly going, oh shit, is the 19th, the second Hammerstein show. I mean, possibly. It could be. He did say before he wanted to make it a yearly thing in January. So the world on GCW, I think, is going to be coming from the Hammerstein every January. But that doesn't mean they want to do other shows. It's weird that they're doing a show on the Melrose the night before, but that's double shot New York. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I will say this. Like, I... I could see it happening, but I think Boston is where I'm leaning for them to go. I'm going to say right now, I'm thinking 30, 70, and 30% says Hammerstein. Okay. And 70% says elsewhere. Boston is also the lead on my list. Mm-hmm. They're being very hush about it. Yes. Although, I will say this. Brett did say on the, I can say on the GCW podcast, he did say that uh, people will be happy to know that he has been wheeling and dealing and flying all over the country. And that they in the next two to three weeks, they will be announcing four brand new cities that they've never been to before that they will be going to. They're going to be announcing the dates and win tickets and two cities where they're making a return. Hmm. And by return, he said it could be places we've been recently or it could be places we haven't been in a while, but we're going back. Interesting. So four new places two, and that should be in the next two to three weeks. So keep your eyes on game at Game Changer Wrestling underscore on Twitter, Game Changer Wrestling Social everywhere. Uh, and of course, this programming, because we'll bring it up as no, soon we'll as we find out. It. But yeah, six new dates will be announced in the next two to three weeks. And one of them has to be the one on January 19th. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to Atlantic City because I'm going to the New York City show. I'm just waiting for tickets to go on sale because I get that pre sale, brah. Hell yeah. Pre sale. But. Before we can get to New York City on June the 18th, before we can even get to TOS and COS on June 4th and 5th, and before we can even get to the rest of the shows slated throughout the month of May, including the next week, not this weekend, but the following weekend shows, which we'll preview then, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, 
We got this weekend yes. coming up as a double shot GCW weekend, locked and loaded already for us, as you knew it would be. Mm-hmm. They're returning after having a week off, and they return on Friday night, uh, April the 22nd. And they have come for the first time to Columbus, Ohio at the Franklin County Fairgrounds for GCW Find You Again. And of course, this goes down at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central. So do your math wherever else you're from. (laughs) But with that being said, you ready to hear what we got going on in this show? Let's do it. So we've got the uh, singles match. It's going to be the second gear crew. AJ Gray, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice taking on the Big Starks brand, Billy Starks, Calvin Tankman, and Cole Radrick, the king of wreck shit mountain, the ratty daddy himself. Oh, that's going to be a fun match. I think it's going to be a great match. That's going to be out of control. And a match that we that I know we're both looking forward to here, the man that's known as All Heart, a.k.a. Oh, the best in the, the world. world, Blake Christian goes one-on-one. With the returning, because he's been off a couple shows, the end seeker, Dante Leone. That is going to be a five-star match. Next up, we got a match I'm assuming is going to get a little violent. Because your GCW ultra-violent champion, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, is going one-on-one with the bad boy, Joey Janela. It is not announced as a death match, to be clear. To start with, but I think it's going to wind up being one by the time it's said and done. Somebody's going to get their ass whipped. Yep. And a singles match that I'm looking forward to, the sauce, or the sauce god, whatever you want to call him, Alex Zane, goes one-on-one with the future of wrestling, all elite Nick Wayne. Ooh, that will be great. Next up, making his return after those injuries and he lost the GCW Ultraviolet title, Alex Colon returns to the ring and he goes one-on-one with 607TWS's favorite asshole, Tony Deppin. That's going to be a good match. I think that's going to be a regular wrestling match. Yeah, I think so too. And last but not least, and this is a match I'm super hyped for because I love, we just talked about him a minute ago, but I also love his opponent. Of course, Alex Shelley, legendary wrestler in independent wrestling and elsewhere, goes one-on-one with Big Breakfast, the East Coast Ace, the Cloakata, Jordan Oliver. Could be match of the night. Could be. Very easily be. Uh, how are you feeling about night one of uh, GCW's weekend uh, finds you again from really, Columbus, Ohio? Really loving how they're stacking that card. I really think that all those matches, I mean, the flow is going to be really good for them because everything has just got something for everybody on there. And that's the thing. And plus, I don't know how the Janela match is going to go. Is that going to wind up being a death match? I don't know. That's where I'm coming from. It's going to end up being hardcore. Yeah. I think Alex Colon's going to get involved, obviously. Oh, yeah. I think to. that storyline is going to continue on yeah, with him and the to. Duke. Uh, but... We're returning to Detroit, Michigan the next night. Also 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ball time, 7 p.m. Central from Harpo's Theater. So we're coming nice. from the legendary Harpo's Theater again in Detroit, Michigan. GCW, the old me. Here we go. You ready for this? Let's do it. First of all, in a GCW Extreme title match, your champion, the man known as Black Death, a.k.a. the motherfucking truth. A.J. Gray goes one-on-one with Mr. Three-Pete himself, Alex Colon. Ooh. Ooh. I like it. Next match, coming into his hometown of Detroit, Michigan, the legend, Alex Shelley, goes one-on-one with all-elite Nick Wayne. Great test for the kid. That's going to be a fun match. Next up, let's talk about getting your bitch card pulled. The bad boy, Joey Danella, goes one-on-one with a man who is making up for missed time, Bandito. Ooh. Okay. So the first night he gets the Duke of Hardcore. The second night he gets one of the best uh, luchadors in the world. Yeah, that's great, great uh, contrast to styles. I'm going to be clear on this. I'm not sure what this is. 
but in a high incident match. <laughs> high incident match. The Briscoes, the the uh, the former GCW World Tag Team Champions, Jay and Mark, are going to go one on one with the Second Gear Crew, Matt Warner and Matthew Justice. Got to be a ladder match of some sort. It's got to be. I'm uh, just telling you, high incident. That's all it says. I I can't wait to find out what this is. Ladders are involved somehow, some way. Speaking of the GCW Tag Team Champions, your current GCW World Tag Team Champions, Bussy, Ali, Catch, and Effie, are going to be challenged by ASF and Gringo Loco. Ooh, that's going to be a good match. Here's another good match that you're probably not even on your radar until now. The Dirty Daddy, the Putrid Papa. Chris Dickinson goes one-on-one with ACH. Oh, that'll be a solid match. In a, this is going to be a death match. And as of right now, it is the title is not on the line, but I guarantee this is a death match. Your GCW ultraviolent champion, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, goes one-on-one with the returning Hoodfoot. Oh, that'll be a death match. That'll be really- <laughs> <laughs> it does not say the belt is on the line currently. That might be on purpose to make sure that the belt's not dropped. Right. But uh, John Wayne Murdoch cut a great promo this past week where he's talking about, I'm going to, you know, everybody told me I didn't belong in GCW and GCW was just going to use me. I think this is in... Uh, you remember when Atticus said some shit? Mm-hmm. I think this is in response to him. He said, everybody said they're just going to use me, but you know what? This belt says you are all fucking wrong. And guess what? I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i heard the fans. I've heard the people. I'm going to bring back Deathmatch Wrestling to the forefront that GCW will be not only the number one wrestling company in independent wrestling, but also the number one Deathmatch company. Because this belt is about to mean more than anything because I'm bringing the violence back and I'll be there fighting every week. That was a great promo, but yeah. I I can see that happening. He ain't turning down Hoodfoot, yeah, and that's a hell of a fight. That's a big challenge for him. And last but not least, in the battle of the legends, the legendary Two Cold Scorpio, who has found the fountain of youth in GCW, yes, is going one on one with Murder Grandpa himself, Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> that's gonna be an insane match. That is gonna round out our weekend. How are you feeling about the return to Detroit for game? Changer Wrestling. They're pulling out all the stops. Really excited about the card. Uh, high incident. I, I I don't know what that's going to be. I, I can promise you is carnage. Yeah, the, the only th- thing I can think is ladders and uh, just stuff's going to go flying everywhere. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, streams, I know that you want to get to a show. We'll let you go to that last because I did not see that show on the radar, but uh, let you pull up those particulars. But before we do that, uh, IWTV has got seven let me count and make sure. Two, four, six, seven streams, live streams this weekend, folks. Seven live streams. If you don't think your nine ninety nine is we're not worth watching, no, this you, it's definitely worth your money. And it all begins on Thursday, uh, the twenty first, uh, with the hour, uh, which is Wrestling Open episode sixteen. This is an hour long show every week. This week, episode sixteen features Anthony Green versus Tony Vincetti. Brad Hollister versus Alec Price, and if you haven't seen Alec Price, that's great. Yo. And also, Max Caster will be appearing Ooh, and more. That'll be solid. Also uh, coming so on Friday, AIW presents Eyes of the Beast live on IWTV at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know I'll be uh, checking this out. Pro- I mean, probably not live because GCW's on, mm-hmm. but I will be checking this out because you know I love this company. Uh, we got Dominic Greeny versus Jackson Stone. Uh, Kaplan versus PB Smooth versus Joshua Bishop versus Filthy Tom Lawler. We've got the AI Tag Team Championship on the ring line as the Philly Marino Experience defends against members only. Jocelyn Navarro is going to get a great match as this is in the women's division as Shaza McKenzie is going to take her on. Uh, we got a huge six-way scramble match as Riley Rose will take on Uncle Chase, 
Johnny Patch, Mikey Montgomery, Chase Oliver, and our good friend, the Maserati, Wes Barkley. <laughs> Derek Dillinger on a uh, way to make a name for himself. We'll get a big stepping stone as he takes on Cleveland legend Matt Cross. Yes. And uh, the Absolute Attention Championship will be on the line as your champion, Matt Cardona, will defend against Josh Prohibition, a legend in the ring. Mm. And that's not even it. Because we saved the hardest-hitting match for last. As Isaiah Brauner, if you're not familiar with him, he's a big heavy hitter, is going to go one-on-one with Minaro Suzuki. Oh, that's going to be a hard hit. Yeah, like, <laughs> hard-hitting is an understatement with that one. Also, on uh, Friday, uh, the 22nd, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, H2O presents Sweet Dreams live on IWTV. We're going to get Low, Low Life Louie versus Kennedy Copeland. Okay. The H2O Tag Team Championship will be on the line as the end game. Leroy Robinson and Darren Hardaway will be challenged by Anthrax and Alex Stretch. Mitch Vallon will take on Devontae's Gigi Everson and Ryan Redfield in a four-way match. Reed Walker will take on Mouse. Uh, WTF, Tyler Vox, Ron Mathis, and Bruce Gray will take on the team of Jeff Cannonball, Duncan Aleem, and Mike Quest. It's finally going to happen. The battle, the battle of former best, best friends turned enemies. Austin Luke will go one-on-one with the young prodigy, Marcus Mathers. Ooh. And in the main event of the evening, the bulldozer, Matt Tremont, goes one-on-one with Masha Slamovich. That's going to be a fun match. Oh, but we're not done. Because also on Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time starting, which, mind you, all these will be on stream the next day usually by, Freelance, which is another one that I tell people to check out. Freelance presents Thrash Unreal live on IWTV featuring GPA and Laney Luck versus Blair Onyx and Guerrera de Brisnazes. Chico Suave versus Dan the Dad versus Ethan Price versus Cody Lane versus Alfonso Gonzalez versus frontman Joss C. And Freelance Legacy Champion... Robert Anthony versus Matt Nix in this big, like, eight-man tag. I don't know if eight-man match. I don't know if the belt's online or not. But I can tell you who's doing uh, what's coming up after that. Project Mannix versus Saban Gouge. And guess what? Because he is not only the freelance legacy champion, he's also the freelance champion. Robert Anthony will be defending the freelance championship against Anthony Henry in the main event. Oh, okay. Saturday, uh, you're back on IWTV at 7 p.m. with Pro Wrestling Magic presents Carousel of Progress. Uh, you got Hispanos Unidos versus Prolific, GKM versus Abraham Khan, Project Mayhem versus the World's Fair, Pro Wrestling Magic Junior Heavyweight Championship, Donovan versus Sebastian Cage, Vargas versus Adam Kerr, Indigo versus Erica Lee, Alex Ryman versus Steve Off, and for the Pro Wrestling Magic Championship, Darius Carter defends against Vinny Pacifico. By the way, not done that because Saturday at 8 p.m. also, we have H2O presents Causing Havoc Live. So far allows for that. Drew Blood versus Austin Luke. Uh, Razor Wing versus Dylan McKay. Kennedy Copeland, Chris Bradley, and Christian Ross take on Chondo, Dan O'Hare, and Schlack. Oh. The H2O Hybrid Championship will be on the line as Adonis Valero defends the belt against Bam Sullivan, which is weird to see him as a face lately. Yeah. And in the ISW, in the main event, the ISW Queen of Crazy Deathmatch, Tara Calloway, the champion, takes on Lady Blakely. Okay. And last but not least, ending out the live weekend on Sunday the 24th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Beyond Wrestling returns to Fet Music Live on IWTV. And this is a hell of a card because you know Beyond's going to. Waves and Curls versus Gabriel Sky and Tristan Ty. Teddy Goods versus Crowbar. Okay. Smart Mark Sterling is not going to come out of this match the same way, and he might look a little different next week, uh, the following Dynamite, because uh, he's going to go one-on-one with 440's Atticus Coger. Oh, jeez. Lufisto returns to Beyond to take on Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Okay. 
The Deathmatch Samurai Akira will take on one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet, Slade. All right. Bear Country will challenge Faith in Nothing, which, if you don't know, Faith in Nothing is a tag team of Vince Nothing and Christian Faith. Do you happen to know who Christian Faith is? I'm blanking on the name. The original gimmick for Ricky Shane Page. Oh, so RSP and Vincent Nothing, Faith in Nothing, returned to Beyond to go in a tag match against Bear Country. God, I was thinking somebody else, but oh my God, yeah. you're right. Uh, we're not done there because the Prize City OG Alec Price goes one-on-one with Willow Nightingale. Oh. And last but not least in the main event of the evening, Dirty Dango versus Biff Busick. Oh, that's going to be a great There's match. a lot of wrestling coming up this weekend that I cannot wait to see. And then there's still one more gigantic card that you want to talk about. Hit them off, Ken. Yeah, so going on this Sunday, live on YouTube, Glory Pro Wrestling is live at the pageant. So if you're in the St. Louis area, definitely try getting tickets for this card. It is a stacked card with a who's who of independent wrestling going on. Some of the matches announced Danhausen and Dan the Dad. Taking on Grindhouse. <laughs> so that is going to be a wild match in its own right. Tootie Lynn is taking on Alley Catch. Beautiful. The match that I have circled on my calendar, Jake Something versus Minoru Suzuki. Ah, that is a great match. That is going to be an absolutely wild match. And we also have Davey Richards taking on Mike Outlaw for the Crown of Glory ma- title match. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that is just to name a few. This is going to be a stack card, like I said. I, they're still adding some names here. If you're not familiar with Glory Pro Wrestling, get familiar with them. They're putting on a lot of great shows. And if you want to find out more about this, uh, at Twitter, at WeAreGloryPro. I have the link right in the blogs count anywhere there. I'm definitely going to be checking this card out, too, on YouTube. So, And it will be the Glory Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Yes. For free. For free. For 5 p.m. Was that 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I do believe we said? Uh, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard 6 Time. 6 p.m. Eastern Standard 5 p.m. Central. There you go. Yes. There you go. There you go. Make sure you check out some or all of those great shows. Now. Before we come back, we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to be talking about AEW. We're going to be talking about a couple other things. But before we do, during the break, you're going to hear a promotion for another event that's going to be taking place on Twitch that myself and Ken M are a part of mm-hmm. and that we believe in. Ken M, before they hear the promotion, what are they going to hear during the break? You're going to be hearing a promo for Livestream for the Cure, which is an annual event that the creme de la creme of independent podcasters are going to be getting together, trying to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute, May 19th through the 21st on twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure. It's going to be a fun time, definitely raising some money for a great cause to say fuck cancer. We are going to be proud to be a part of it, closing down on Friday night. May 20th, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Not sure what we're going to do yet, but you know we're bringing something there and it's going to be a fantastic event, so definitely go support it. Links for that is on odphpodcast.com front page, so you definitely want to go check that out. Nothing but straight fire from us. That's all you know. Yeah. But with that being said, we're going to take that break. You're going to hear that promo when we come back. We are going to be talking main event stuff, including all elite wrestling and some jewels for me for the wrestling business right after this break. What does hope mean to you? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I am the host of the annual live stream for the cure, a charity live stream event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute, which researches immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. Their mission, one that I believe in very, very strongly, is a future immune to cancer. And this year for the sixth annual live stream for the cure, I want to emphasize more than anything, hope. 
over the past five years, myself and amazing creators and partners from around the world have raised over $50,000 for this amazing cause. And this year, we're looking to add another $20,000 to that total. Please join me May 19th, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content over the next three days as I'm once again joined by amazing creators from around the world to help fight for hope. Learn more or make an early donation today at LivestreamForTheCure.com. Wrestling fans, are you ready? That's right, let's get ready to rumble. Let's get you ready for the main event of 607-TWS. And of course, we are going to be talking about all elite wrestling. Some good stuff, some bad, some indifferent. Uh, some stuff that we're the only realest people that will be talking about. Just throwing that one true. out there. So, first of all, let's talk about some good stuff. Because, you know what? They had one hell of a week of prog- prog- broadcasting. Now, I'm going to say up front, and we'll talk about it. One of my criticisms is it kind of was booked weird, especially because... Yeah, with having a special event, Mm -hmm. but let's dive in a little bit. We're not going to dive through every show, but of course we had AEW Dynamite last week, followed by AEW Rampage, which featured a title defense. Yeah, a special AEW (laughs) World Championship match, and then on Saturday we had Battle of the Belts two. So, firstly, I'll get the booking thing out of the way because I want to talk about the match and give them their due deal. I don't understand when we have Battle of the Belts 2, why the world title match and maybe another title match of bigger standards weren't put on on Saturday. And I think that that really was the effect of the ratings doing the Battle of the Belts did 575,000, I do believe. Something and uh, Rampage did its normal 400 and some thousand, I do believe. Plus, Rampage was also on early, which that was that was throwing me off too because I only caught it obviously getting the press release seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right, so right. it wasn't at ten. But I mean, I'm not and I'm not shitting on it. So no, like, I agree. And I, and I understand, and I could play the clip, but I'm not going to. Brian Alvarez, uh, what I was talking about earlier, because I don't want to get any heat going. I applaud him for it. I uh, was talking about on the Wrestling Observer Weekend Show was saying that hey, he put out some criticisms of AEW and man, the toxicity that came back at him. And he was saying it like he never knew this existed. But right. you know what? He probably didn't because he's always been the cheerleader, rah rah for AEW. So finally, when you see some when you see some criticisms coming in, he's now finding out what happens when you criticize the 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 juggernaut of all the wrestling. The, uh, the 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 clowns come out. Yes. And I'm not saying fans of all elite wrestling are clowns. I'm saying the fucking toxic ones on Twitter are clowns. Because mm-hmm. they really are. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. They just go out there to cause chaos, and it's like, for what? Oh, exactly. And it's just like, you know what? Nobody's carried a flag harder for your company and probably put more asses in seats than Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer. Let's true. be honest. Yeah. And I've been very critical of them not being critical of, of AEW. So I applaud. Brian Alvarez, I'm being critical, and nothing he said was out of line. I actually agreed with exactly. No, he what made he said. points. He made he, points. He kind of said what I just said. Part of it was what I just said. Like he didn't understand when you have these three shows. Why aren't we stacking this the special on TNT? Because isn't that the reason we have these specials? Isn't the reason to showcase on the bigger network like a Clash of Champions? He also said he didn't understand why it was only an hour. Like, why aren't we fighting for more time than fucking an hour? Why? It should have been a two-hour show like Clash of Champions was. We should have put some, you know, we had some legendary matches happen on Clash of Champions. Mm. And that's kind of like what Battle of Belts was promised to us to be. Let's be honest. Yeah. And in reality, it's not. And that's fine. Whatever. I still thought the matches were fine on the show. Don't get me wrong. I was very happy with, for the most part, with the matches we got. 
No, I fully agree with you. I think what they should have done, in my opinion, was I would have not shown Rampage on Friday night, done the two hours, and just booked that whole, you know, both shows together. That way, it really would have been the battle of the belts. I know that they were trying to really give some emphasis uh, attention to the, the ROH title, which is which was great because Jonathan Gresham and Dalton Castle put on an excellent match. But I also agree that I think Adam Cole and Adam Page should have been on that night instead of Friday night. I agree. I agree. And I'm, I'm all right with the – see, the, the thing is I was, I'm was i even all right with the TBS championship title being on there, although I think that belt should be featured more on Dynamite, hence Dynamite's on TBS. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, it's a weird setup. But let's go back. Let's talk about some of the, the highlights of the week for them real quick because I, I really do think Dynamite – had, for the first time in a long time, had, like, a great open middle and end. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was some mush in there. Sure. But there always is going to be. Yeah. But it was the, one of the first times that I can remember in recent history where they didn't just upload the first hour and you could have just tuned out for the second hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time it felt good. We had a really good uh, opening contest. Yeah, with CM Punk and Penta. For CM Punk and Penta. Then we had a really good mid-match, mid which was... Uh, uh, was it Brian Danielson was in the mid-match, I do believe? Well, it was the Blackpool Combat yes. Club versus the Gun Club. Right, right. Which is, it was a job or kind of deal for the Gun Club, but we're seeing the three guys we want to see. Mm-hmm. So I applaud that to be the mid-mark. And then at the end of the show, we got Samoa Joe. Yeah. And Minoru Suzuki. And Minoru Suzuki, which was lived up to the hype that it was supposed to live yes. up to. Yes. So with that being said, I thought they did a very good job of spreading it out. Like I said, there's some garbage in between. I do like the Wardlow stuff, personally. Mm-hmm. I think that they're doing a great job in that storyline, so I'm not going to try But there were some couple of promo spots I would have probably gotten rid of. Yeah. But with that being said, I enjoyed the first, and the first match and the last match were definitely your best two matches. And that middle match was an interesting match just because the Blackpool Combat Club is such a popular thing going on right now, which it should be. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, and that was the first time we saw them as a... As a unit, pretty much, as a six-man. Yeah, I mean, the only, if I want to complain about something, is just with Wheeler Yuta, I think he sh- he's got to change the gimmick up somehow, being a part of the Black He's got to be more badass. Yeah, he's got but to. But you like, can build into that. Yeah, you can. Like, it's just something, like, if I have to really pick at something. But he's looked great since he's been with him. Like, he's shown a new aggression to him. I like seeing this. All right, I agree. Let's get to the pride part, though. We had this hard-hitting, Japanese-inspired Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki for a fan like me, that's a cream your pants moment. Mm-hmm. And it was it was everything I wanted it to be. They beat the shit out of each other. And at the end of the day, we all knew Samoa Joe was going to win, but it was a great match. Yeah. The problem comes at the end of the damn match. <laughs> I, think, I think everybody's criticizing this as they should be. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the match, Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt finally say something because they said they were going to bring him a present. Mm-hmm. They, you know, Joe says, let's do this thing. And the lights go out. Now, when the lights go out in pro wrestling, it usually means a return. Yes. Or a debut of somebody people know. The reason why the lights go out for somebody that somebody knows or a debut is because when they come on, there's a pop of familiarity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instead, when the lights come back up, it is a guy that I forgot signed, although I believe he's a very nice man. Yes. Uh, When I tweeted about him signing a year ago... I do remember it was like a year ago when he when he officially signed with AEW. He even retweeted, uh, liked, and follows me on on uh, Twitter, and that would be Satnam Singh, mm-hmm. former bas- NBA basketball player from India. Right, gigantic dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very nice. So I'm I, I I have nothing but nice things to say about him. He messaged me a nice message. Very nice guy. That's it's, it's, personal stuff does mean something, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
here we go, though. I felt bad for him. The crowd had no reaction because nobody knew who the fuck he was. Mm-hmm. Maybe three people? Hell, the broadcasters did a horrible job of trying to sell who he was. Yeah, it just it fell on deaf ears, especially because there was no hype behind him. And when you just kind of force him out, especially when they're trying to build up whatever they're doing with Ring of Honor. And yeah. I, like it's just not working or right this now. new age house of truth managed yeah. by Sanjay Dutt. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at all the other matches on the card too. I mean, Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon was, I think the other one we were that thinking was about. That, that, was, was, that was a good match. That was a good one. I too. enjoyed it. That this was so stacked that to end with just such a deflating moment, and it's nothing against, you know, the debut. I have nothing against something I'm seeing here. It's right. not his fault. No, it's not his fault completely because I thought he looked a lot better on, on battle for the belts. I thought that that's where they probably should have done it, but this one just it just took the air out of the room for it and just left a bad taste in the mouth. If they would have had him come through the ring, I heard somebody say, a la Big Show when he made his WWE debut, or if they would have had him come even through the crowd or even from the back, mm-hmm. like with a flame thing, kind of like Kane, I think because people would have been like, oh, it's a new guy. Yeah. People would have gotten it better. The fact that they did the lights off, lights off, lights on, off, on trick made everybody think it was going to be either somebody who just signed yeah. or somebody who was making a return. And I think that's what threw people off. And it was a horrible reaction for a guy who I hope that, you know, like I said, I think he, I'm with you. I think he had a much better showing on Battle of the Belts. But I, I, I really think that. And, of course, then we go in to the interview on Busted Open Radio where Tony Khan admits that, meh, probably shouldn't have done that. that you know, the fans are right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good. And I don't I, – I'm going to watch what I say, not because I care, because I've gone at Tony Khan a million no, sure, times for absolutely. stupid shit, yeah. and when I call him out for it, because I'm going to half call him out, but half not, because I really believe he did something good, but also bad, because the next thing out of his mouth, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, was, well, it was an idea that was pitched to me, but at the end of the day, I okayed it. So, in a way, he said, okay, the buck stops with me, I'm the boss, I made the decision, I let the fans down. However, though... Somebody else came up with the idea. A trusted veteran with 30 years in the business mm. is how he said it. Gave me that thing and I decided to trust him and roll with it and it was the wrong decision. And I, I applaud him on the fact that he didn't give up the person's name. Yeah, but still. But he also, so he didn't full, completely run over him with the bus. But at the same point in juncture, you're sitting there going, I'm taking the onus. I'm taking charge. I'm the buck stops here. And I wish he would have just ended it there because then I could have been like, oh, shit, Tony Khan learned something, right? Yeah. But he couldn't help but say, well, it wasn't really my idea. Like, and that's really what he did. He basically gave himself the out. Like, oh, you know, yeah, the buck stops here. You know, I did confirm it, but it wasn't my idea. It was somebody else's idea. So, you know, God forbid the booker of the year made a fucking mistake. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like, so that was why, like, like, once again, I'm not crucifying like some people on the internet did. Because I don't think he ran anybody over with a bus. I just think that he conveniently gave himself the fucking out. Which is like, man, I wish you would have just owned it. Because I've been like, oh shit, maybe Tony Khan's on this new trip of owning things. Because he needs to start owning shit. Yeah. And instead, he partially owned it, but then turned around and said, it wasn't my idea. But I did okay it, so it does fall on me. So it's kind of like, oh, it's my fault, but it's really not my fault. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you're the one signing the checks. You're the one that is the booker of the year. It is you. So, right, right. Yeah, so it's like, no matter what you want to try spilling, you you are responsible for that. That is you. Right, right. So trying to spin it to somebody else, and like, I, I agree with you. I just thought it was a bad take by him, and it's just, you got to let it go. Just take, take the L. I mean, it's not that bad of an L. He, he, he just doesn't understand taking an L. Sometimes you just have to take Ls. Yeah. And, and my, that's my only problem with it, because it really gave me some really fucking awesome hopes. I literally, in the moment, went, oh, shit, 
Tony Khan said, man, something I did didn't work. And the way, and the reason I know it didn't work is the fans hate it and they are right to hate it. It was yeah. bad. And I was like, oh fuck. Oh, wait a minute. Where the fuck did TK go? And then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, never mind. He's still there. Cause in the next breath, well, it was given to me by a veteran of the business for 30 years. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I did okay. So it is still on me. So he wasn't ready to run somebody over yeah, with a fucking but bus, still. but he was ready to throw him in front of the bus. Yeah, he had gas in the car. It's it's just one of those situations where it's just like, fucking take the L, bro. Take the fucking L. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, other than that incident at the end of the show, I thought Dynamite last week was one of the best Dynamites I've seen in a long time. I agree with you. And no. I'm, it's coming off of a two or three in a row that have been really good. Yeah, I mean, the only other the only other downspot was the Marina Sheriff match. Oh, that was bad. That was bad. Oof. That was bad. But I thought, every, I thought everything else, the Penta match, I thought the tag match with Red Dragon and Jurassic Express was good. The Blackpool buildup, I thought, was, was solid, too. I, I thought most of it was a win. Like, I mean, it wasn't I like the storyline with Wardlow? Yeah, that's winning me over. And I've never been the biggest Wardlow guy, but here I am. Like, okay, I'm in on this. This is working. But it was just like it was just sad to just see like because everybody remembers the finish, you know, like Bully Ray once said. Yeah, oh, but it's true. But well, that's true. Plus, he also attributed that to Vince, but it's true. Vince is the only thing that I remember is the finish. Of course, I remember that mockingly got the. Well, what about the 2017 Hell in a Cell? <laughs> <laughs> it's like guys, yeah, people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Trust me, trust me, people make mistakes. Because if you're going to follow that logic, what about that exploding death match last hey, year? Revolution. Hello. So you can't you can't pick on one without picking on both. Facts. That's I always love how people throw this out there, but don't throw the other out there. Mm-hmm. Guys, we got to keep it. We're all on the same page here. Uh, rampage, not a bad rampage. No, not a lot of people watched it, unfortunately, but a really good rampage with a really solid main event. Although, first of all, the Texas Deathmatch in AEW is becoming the the new Teddy Long fucking, you know, it's going to be a tag team match or you're going to get you're going to face the Undertaker. That's that's really what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Uh however, every time we get a Texas death match in AEW, it's got different fucking rules. Yeah. Like this is the first one and I correct me if I'm wrong and they and I'm going to defend it cuz people on the internet were like, "Oh, they didn't do the right rules." They did explain the rules before the match. The, announce, the ring announcer did say that it was going to be pinfall and then a 10 count. He did say it. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, it was put established. Out there. It was established. I'm, my only problem is, so I'm not, I have no problems with the fact that it was there because they, they announced that. But it's like we've done Texas death matches in the past. Uh, most of the best one, I think, in my mind was that rematch from the New Japan de- Texas mm-hmm. death match between John Moxley, Moxley and Archer. Lance Archer. And it, that match was just regular. If I remember correctly, I don't. It was pinfall submission, mm-hmm. and I've heard of death matches before of doing the. Uh, and it, it is a thing of doing death matches where it's kind of last man standing, but I have never seen the pin into ten. Maybe it's happened somewhere else, but I've never seen it. I've never seen it, but let me ask you this because this is how it's reading to me. Do you think they're trying to adjust it to appease Adam Page? Because they can. In my opinion, like I don't think he he's that comfortable continuously doing them. Uh, it could be, or it could be they're trying to find their own niche. Okay. And and that's why we've seen a couple different ones, because they're trying to find their own footing, but yet calling it something that's familiar to wrestling fans. It could be very much, you know, because it, it, let's be honest, it's a baby death match. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's not, and that's not, not taking nothing away from Adam Cole or Hangman Page or anybody else who's done them. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, if you've seen a real death match, you understand that this is a, even when they had the death match on television that was Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho, that is, it was more like a death match, but it wasn't, it was an AEW light death match. 
And I'm not saying anything bad against it. I don't think AEW should be doing the death matches we watch on Game Changer Wrestling. Oh, facts. Like, I don't think that, that the crowd would handle what's going to happen this weekend between John Wayne Murdoch and Hoodfoot on Saturday. They couldn't handle Nick Gage and uh, Chris Jericho. Right. So there's no way they're going to handle that. And let yeah. alone a tournament survival where we're doing different <laughs> gimmick death matches. So, I, and once again, they shouldn't be doing it. Because yeah. that's not something you do on television, okay? And I, I, honestly, and I'm not, and I'm, and I'm a guy who watches death matches. I'm not the biggest death match wrestling fan. I understand why people don't like them, but at the same time, I do enjoy them because as long as they're done right, it is an art form. Mm-hmm. And I always say, as long as it's done right. And I, the one that they did with Nick and uh, Chris was really good. Yes, because they they showcased it the way a death match should be. It was a wrestling match with the light tubes and glass, mm-hmm. not. Just light tubes and glass, and that's what we're doing. So right. they did do a good job of showcasing one, but I just don't think that that's what you should do as a televised company, especially you know now. I mean, if you wanted to save it for a pay per view or something like the dog collar match, sure, that was perfect for a pay per view. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about blood on TV; that doesn't fucking bother me. Either. Right, I'm just right, saying, but- like, like you should save these big kind of like gimmick matches for your big events because that makes them feel more special. Okay. Before we leave this match, question for you. Yes. The barbed wire halo. I was getting to that, actually. So okay. I'm glad you brought it up. So that was the one big takeaway the internet had. Let's yeah. go with it. There was a good match. It was a good but match. let's get to the point. Just like just like we talked about the ending of Dynamite, the one big point on the internet was the barbed wire halo that uh, Adam Page put on Adam Cole's head. Was it, that was that one. No, it was backwards. Why did I get it backwards? Yeah, it, Adam regardless. put it on Adam's head. It doesn't yeah, fucking matter. Exactly. I might have gotten it backwards. I don't know. I'm tired. It's, I've been without power. <laughs> but uh, anyways. It, it's just a symbolism it was put so, on. So here's the thing. I can understand why people didn't like it. Uh, I am from a deathmatch watching world where I see barbed wire halos all the time. Not necessarily portrayed as halos. I think the real big thing that people were taking was it was Good Friday. Yeah. Um, I can understand if you are a Christian, a Catholic, you know, something where, you know, somebody is uh, that iconography offended you. Mm-hmm. I can understand, uh, and I don't think that we should. And I, you know me, I'm not a, I'm not a bitch about things. No, no, absolutely <laughs> but, not. Like you should not step on people's fucking beliefs, because uh, that's a surefire way to piss a lot of people off. And I'm not saying you have to dance around things, or we can't have uncomfortable or artistic things, because you know me, I'll push the fucking limits to the to the to the limit. But as a national televised uh, 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 promotion, I the answers to sponsors and TV people. I don't know if the smartest idea on Good Friday is to do that. I understand that it's been done a ton. Does it offend me? No. Uh, did I find any problems with it? Absolutely not. Um, did I, you know, did I think it was in poor taste when I heard the backlash? Yeah. If it's real backlash, I'm not talking about trolls who are just trying to look for, you know, troll ability. Mm-hmm. If you, if people were really offended by it, if you or anybody else is offended by it, I completely understand. I completely go. I agree that if you're offended, I'm sorry that you're offended. Uh, and that's why I say that when you are in national televised promotion mm-hmm. that is on a network and that has got advertisement dollars in, did you not learn anything from Domino's? Yeah. <laughs> and the pizza cutter incident. That's me. I don't know. How did you feel about it? I was, you know, like it didn't bother me that much. I guess because now I've seen so much deathmatch wrestling now. Like it's kind of like, okay. And I didn't really buy into like the whole religious aspect of it i don't think it was meant to be that like i think if it was something done like ecw 
Um, oh, the Sandman when they yeah. crucified the Sandman. Like that, I would have got more upset because I because what was it? Uh, I think Sean Ross Sapp made a joke about it. The Sean Air- Ross Sapp did make a joke, and, about it, which is fine. Yeah, which was fine. Like I I, I had no problem with what he said because I know like it was Bischoff went at him about it. And I'm like, Listen. yeah, Bischoff was like, do you really think you should joke about that? And, and once again, but I understand where Eric's coming from. See, I it's understand. weird. Yeah. Because Eric's not being a troll. So I understand where he's coming from because he's coming from the person who has ran a national promotion on a network television. Mm-hmm. Same network television, obviously. Yeah. And so I get where he's coming from. And I do actually get where the people who are really offended came from. Like the, the people, not the fucking fake morons who are actually no, sure, WWE. Sure, sure. We'll call them what the, the, the AW fans like to call them, the E-drones, mm-hmm. who are just there to fucking poke with a stick. But there was some real people who were offended. Yeah, which I could understand, but like I said, I kind of sided more with Sean about it. Like, I mean, just because I've seen it, but that, but then again, I can't understand. You know, I, how I react is different than how somebody else would react. Right, so, and that's what I have to take in, in aspect with it. I mean, but it's something that I don't think when they were discussing the match because you know when the match was taped. Yes, or, or it was taped. Yeah, it was. So taped. they did it on Wednesday. So of course they're probably not even thinking. They're not thinking about Friday when this airs. Right. But that that goes to a thing where your production and if you're Tony Khan. The easiest way to do is say, hey, listen, if it offended you, if it truly offended you, I apologize. Yeah. Like, and that's that's all that needed to be said. I, exactly. If it truly, if I don't care about the fucking, the marks out there who are just, you know, trolling or whatever. But if you're somebody who got offended by what happened, I apologize sincerely because that was not our intent. Our intent was just to do this Texas death match. Uh, in hindsight, we did not realize that the fact that it took place on Good Friday would lead people to go down the religious iconography zone, mm-hmm. which is an honest mistake. No, absolutely. I could have made that mistake. Absolutely. Like, honestly, as a guy who is, is program wrestling and has been a booker, I honestly could have seen myself overlooking that because there would never be a time in my life where, you know, I have seen the barbed wire halo put on a ton of people. In oh, death facts, matches. Yeah. I saw one this past weekend put on somebody in a fucking death match. It's, it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's a it's norm. A, with it's it. a yeah. staple. Yeah. It's a staple of those matches in a lot of ways because it's a cool, think about it. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. You put the barbed wire in, you push it in, the blood comes. It, it looks cool. And but it's no the nobody's doing it to be like oh yeah we're taking a jab at Jesus that's not what it's for yeah exactly so they but I could understand if somebody got offended because it was on Good Friday and that would be something I would overlook as well because I'm not thinking about it that way but what AEW needs to do is you have to once again we're going to talk about this in a minute you have to remember you're nationally national promotion that's mm-hmm. on a network television and at some point in juncture you have to remember that there's a different set of rules and that there's a different way and protocol to do things yes that doesn't mean you can't push the lines oh of course you can. yeah you can and i enjoy there. that they do at times but sometimes you got to realize Ooh. and once again it's that capability of taking an l of just saying hey listen i don't care what the trolls and the drones and the bots because <laughs> we're talking about tony khan mm-hmm. say Tony Concha just said, listen, if you truly were offended, if this bothered you, I am sincerely apologetic to you. That was not the intention of myself, All Elite Wrestling, or anybody involved. Literally, we were doing a spot in a match. If you took it that way, I promise you that was not the way it should have been taken. Yeah, exactly. And that's all that needed to be said. I agree with you. And I'm not saying he had to even say that statement. I'm just saying if he would have, you could have nipped it shit right in the bud. We're yeah. done. We're you're, not an issue. Uh, the fact that he didn't doesn't bother me either because I also didn't take it that way. But I'm sure that there was some people who probably didn't even watch the fucking show. Oh, they just, just heard about it and just jumped in. And you know what? There's people who get who do unabashedly get offended by religious stuff, mm-hmm. and they probably just instantly heard it and went, "Yeah." And they didn't. All they had to see was the image. They didn't have to see the context. They didn't have to see any of the buildup. And so that's why I said, when you're a nationally promoted program, whether it's wrestling, football soap opera, whatever, 
Mm-hmm. There's times you have to realize that there is going to be people who judge you on a different level, and you have to you have to placate to that as well. Yeah, you got to play for the masses. And as far as the trolls and stuff, fuck them. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. They were just doing it to pile on. Yeah, they just, just jumped in. They weren't even this. looking. You know, because the E-Drone's jumping out there. Let's forget that fucking Vince McMahon had a match with God. Yes. And that included him fucking Triple H spitting fucking uh, holy water. Come mm-hmm. on, man. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, he t- did a prayer at WrestleMania once that opened. I do believe God, you hate me and I hate you. Yep, that's a Vince McMahon line. So I mean, yeah, exactly. So this was very low on that scale. So I, I don't know, no. And once again, one doesn't make the other one right. Right, right. But, but at just, the same point in juncture, you can't, you can't be shooting shots at somebody when you have that shit in your closet. It might be all produce, but you got apples and you got oranges. Right, but yeah, but if you have that shit in your closet, it's like <laughs> let's let's use a religious thing. If he who has he who does not have sin cast the first stone. Yeah. And if you have that shit in your closet and you're an E fan, you can't cast the first fucking stone. No. And so there was a lot of that, and that, and I agree, there was a lot of bullshit on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Bischoff was on that bullshit end, though. I do honestly believe Eric was coming at it from, I was an executive for that same company. Yeah. Well, for WCW, for that network. And so I understand that you should have probably erred on the side of, you know, mm-hmm. safe side. Mm-hmm. But whatever. The past is the past. We're there. Yeah. Uh, let's carry on to uh, Battle of the Belts. I mean, uh, overall, I mean, uh, once again, Jade Cargill uh, looked phenomenal. Mm. She's, she's, she's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, let's be honest. But the the, the real mad the real the real story of the night, let's be honest, was the Ring of Honor title. Yeah, that was what people were tuning in for and excited to see. Love seeing it, and like I, I just have to stress too, anybody that's freaking out about Jonathan Gresham's height, like stop, stop. Yeah, I don't I, 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 shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear anything. I put this in my blocks kind of anywhere too. He's what they list him at five five four. Ray Mysterio's five six. AJ Styles five ten. Brian Danielson five eleven. You know what they can all do? They can all fucking go in the ring. Well, That's you also have matters. to remember, this man's a thick dude. The fucking... Yeah. He's jacked. Exactly. Jacked the fucking kills. You know, he reminds me of Taz. Yeah. I, I told you before, if, if they didn't do other things in the past, I would have brought him in as the, the new age like Taz. Mm-hmm. Gave Taz to him as a mouthpiece. I don't think Gresham can talk for shit in the mic, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the only downside about it. The kids fucking can wrestle for days. Yes. But he can't talk. So I would have, I honestly, I mean, obviously we're in a different era now. And we have Team Taz and all that shit. But if they didn't do that in the past, this would have been the perfect time to have him as the new age, you know, technical wrestling machine with Taz as his mouthpiece. You know, here's, here's a thought. Put him with Regal. In the Blackpool Club. You could. Just but have it, two branches. To, the only problem is you don't want to dilute that club too much. No, you just have Regal just go to Ring of Honor when he has to, and then yeah, go to yeah. EW. That'd be fine. Or, you know, you can tell, stick him with Tully Blanchard. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's what they do with everybody they can't figure out in Ring of Honor, yeah. I guess. I don't know. But, once again, great match. I did like the Satinum Sing. Yeah, better, way better, way better. Second and, of course, Samoa Joe making the save with the pipe. Like it. But did he have to come to the ring with the belt? Yeah, that was a little like you stopped and took the time. You, 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 you grabbed the pipe, which is smart. Yes, but you also stopped to take the time to grab your belt. Yeah, like seriously, <laughs> that's like the Jeff Hardy dance while the brothers getting his ass kicked in the ring. Like stop, like, come on, dude. That that part, and I, I I'm gonna let it go for the most part because I still thought it was really good. No, it was a great segment. They did, they did yeah. a great segment because they want to so. do the shot with the belt, them holding the belt. So. I get it. I get it. We'll eventually get that match. Oh yeah, that's coming. I'm sure they'll do a tag team thing, and then we'll get that match. So that's fine. I'm good with it either way, but. Mm. Overall, they had a great weekend there. Like I said, the Satnam Singh thing was what it was. Yeah. Could have been better. Obviously, it was bad. Tony could have owned it a little better. But once again, I'm not going to crucify him like some people on the internet have for that. No, it, it, it was what it was. And then, of course, you know, the, the Rampage thing. I just I think it was overblown because there was a lot of trolls jumping in. 
and just wanted to get a fucking reaction. I'm like I said, if somebody if somebody's listening to me right now was deeply offended by it, I'm sorry. I apologize for them. I, I guarantee that wasn't their intent. No, I absolutely. I've seen agree. enough of that to guarantee that wasn't. Yeah, like I said, it was like a Raven Sandman thing or like Vince vs. God. Then yeah, you have every right to. But that no, I'm sorry. If you watch enough deathmatch wrestling, that's par for the course. So let's turn it over to something that I know people don't want us to talk about, Ken. But we're gonna talk. Yeah, well, you gonna talk about because <laughs> we do. Uh, and that is, of course, this whole discovery merger. Mm-hmm. So last week we we came out and, like I said, I want to make this apparently clear up front. I do not want AEW to go anywhere. Right. I do not want them to get canceled. I do not want them to go away. I don't want none of that to happen. However, to ignore the fact that there are certain things on the road that could affect them is stupidity. Mm-hmm. And it's stupidity by fans and it's stupidity by Tony Khan and the brass at AEW if they're not believing it either. Because once again, he was out there saying he's talking to his Warner people about Ring of Honor. And my problem with that is I, it might be true. But I'm another air source decided not, and here's why. This week, last week we talked about it and came out that they were trying to make more programming PG because that gives you the biggest advertisement buck. They also had come out and said that uh, they were going to be making decisions case by case. Mm-hmm. Well, you fast forward a week and the new CEO of Discovery, or they're calling it Warner Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery is the working title. Okay, it might change, but that's the working title. Uh, he said that they want to shave. $3 billion from their current television lineup. Mm-hmm. Not movie lineups, not internet, HBO Max lineups. Specifically, television. Yeah. Now, with that being said, once again, this is where the chopping block comes. What they have working for them. I want to start with this, because i got to work backwards from this, too, because where they're doing a disservice to themselves. Mm-hmm. What they have working for them is the deal is not that big of a deal. Is a four-year, $175 million deal that works out to be $45 million a year, and that is for Dynamite, Rampage, and the quarterly Battle of the Belts. Right. So the three things that they get. So that's not bad, because if you look at other sporting events, like baseball, basketball, football, or your direct quote-unquote competitor, World Wrestling Entertainment, those are all billion-dollar budgets. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon currently $1.5 billion. From USA Network for Raw, which comes to an end this year. And trust me, there's already suitors for more than the, that deal for oh, next yeah. deal. It's going to be astronomical. It's going to be fucking ridiculous. Because Fox also, $1.7 billion for the current Fox deal. That's the current deals in place. Yep. Over $3 billion between two companies for two shows. So what what Warner Media wants to cut is what WWE gets paid to be a television program. Yeah. And with that being said, the the cool parts about that for WWE is the reason why it's there is because, contrary to popular belief, lots of advertisement dollar goes into World Wrestling Entertainment. Those companies don't make that deal if they can't recoup the money. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they recoup the money. You know how else we know they recoup the money? Because we already know that when those deals are up, there's already suitors throwing their name in the hat. It's already been said by Universal execs that they have to come with a bigger figure than last time. Fox already has said they have to come with a bigger figure than last time, and we know Disney's in the yeah. So once you know all those things, and I've heard Amazon is in the mix. Amazon is trying to get in the mix, yeah. Unfortunately for Amazon, I think Vince still likes this. He's old school. He wants to be on TV. Yes. And then Amazon, unless they buy a fucking network, isn't, is not is not capable of providing television. Correct. So I don't think that they're in. But then again, never say never. You throw enough fucking money, and look what the NFL did. Yeah, this is true. I mean, he might try working out some weird streaming deal. Like, who knows? I mean, Vince is Vince. I'm just throwing it out there. So we know that they're going to make a ton of money. So 
first and foremost, getting it out of the way, this is not a WWE conversation, but I will I will say this about the people who always are like, well, WWE's failing. Well, listen, on every business front, they are not. They are a company that made a billion dollars in profits last year. And if you don't understand, that's not what they made as a company. It is what they made after they paid all the bills, yes. all the contracts, everything, with the profit at the end of the day that got split between the shareholders and the McMahons and, and executives who have a majority share was over $1 billion. Yes. So it's very profitable. We got those numbers released. Vince made a lot of fucking money off of that deal. Say what you will, but yeah, he got paid. Dude, did you see Triple H and, and, and Stephanie's salaries, how low they were? Yeah. But then you saw their income from their fucking stock shares? Yeah. Talk about a smart move for Stephanie, Stephanie and, and, and Hunter. That they were fucking like, no, you, you can pay us less. And they also get paid a little bit as performers. Mm-hmm. They have per- performer contracts as well. They didn't add that in. But they added the other... Those stock ones, multi-millions of dollars. Yes. multi I think 200 and some million between the two of them? hmm What? They got, they got fucking paid. So it was smart that they only get paid, what, I think it was like 500,000 a year if that. Some, something. Was, re- I think it was lower than that. I think it was like 300. It I was low. It was, I, I thought it was 253. You, you, I think you're right. It was low. But So between the two of them, 500,000. Yeah. To be CE, Chief Branding Officer and COO yeah. is what their real official titles are. And, and, they, and they get paid 500000 But then you look at that back end with all them stock shares. They got fucking paid. It's smart. And then Vince got, whew. Well, Vince. <laughs> Vince, that, that, that gamble. But once again, it's not about, it's, it's so like that argument that they don't know what they're doing. You don't have to like the wrestling that goes on over there. You don't have to think they're entertaining. There are people that obviously do because they make a ton of money. But let's be honest. Let's always, let's always, we always going to throw the logic before we talk about anything else. WWE ain't going out of business. They're they the ain't machine. going nowhere. They're the machine, and they're printing money. And if you look at quarter one, which hasn't been released yet, but it's already believed that quarter one is a record year from last year's quarter one, which means they're probably on pace to make over a billion dollars again next year in profits. And the fact, and we're going to talk about the stadium show in fucking England because that comes in play. Because mm-hmm. I, I there's a, I got the PSA kind of for for AEW fans and Tony Khan. Let's go back to this deal though. Sure. What it has working for them is that it's so low. The yeah. whole point of the matter is WWE has a bigger overhead. So if you were going to cut a big overhead, you would cut that, which you wouldn't because the advertisement dollar come in because that's where this argument comes in. So here's where it could hurt them. That $175 million, the $45 million a year really is not a lot of money. That means you have less than a million dollars a show. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if the TV deal pays for your television product, which means renting the arena, paying your employees, uh, paying the workers for the show, paying the, trans, paying the hotels, paying the crew... Uh, and the pyro, all that shit. That means you have to do three hours of television a week for under a million dollars. Yeah. Which, it, it can be done. Yeah, it can be. But they also are big budget in AEW. So I don't know what they are. Even Eric Bischoff said, that means if they're trying to make a profit over there, they have to be doing under $500,000 a show to make money off of this deal. And he went, I don't think they are. Yeah, it's not. And he's like, because I can come up just by doing those jobs, I can come up with each show where you're at right around four hundred to five hundred thousand before you ever pay the boys. Yeah. And then you're paying the boys, so that's a whole nother fucking kit and caboodle. So because you have to break when you're in business, you have to break a show by show. But whatever. He's got a lot of money. We're not gonna go into that bullshit because I don't really want the headache. Right, right. It is what it is. Yeah, it's relevant to this. Because the the relevancy of this is very little. The more important part is that, A, you're not making that much money. So here's the thing. Do you have a good advertisement deal? And this is what could hurt you in the long run with uh, Discovery. Mm-hmm. Is that 
if the compensation isn't in the contract, it could be in the advertisements. And if like, let's say you're saying 50, 50 profit shares, which I don't think they're doing, but if you are, that could be a way of them going, Oh, we're giving you 45 million. And then we're giving you another fucking million in profit sharing of the fucking advertisements. And uh, we can cut that. Mm-hmm. We can just, and we can put fucking reruns of cops on. Yeah. And we're still going to make the advertisement dollar because we're not going to pay shit for that show. We're going to pay fucking a million dollars to re-air that show. Or if we already own the rights to it, because I think they do, then they can just say, fuck it. We're just going to show that show and cost us nothing. So throw the people who own it a bone and we get to make all the advertisement dollar because that's what could hurt them in the long run. And once again, I hope it's not because if, but the problem is, is if they're getting the bulk of, if Discovery's going to get the bulk not only are they paying a low price, but they're getting the bulk of the advertisement is a good way for AEW to stay on television. Mm-hmm. But the problem there is that means AEW is making zero fucking dollars. Yeah. They're going negative, which would explain a lot. And it's kind of like this for Tat. This is a really fucking weird situation to find yourself in because are you going to get starved out or are you going to get bought out? <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird play. And that's the only thing because you just don't know what Discovery's thinking. And then for AEW... You're kind of in limbo right now because you just got to keep doing your programming and you just really got to stick to your guns and what's working for you there. And here's my problem. You're talking about adding another hour for Ring of Honor at least, right? Right. And that's what you're talking about. When Rampage doesn't do above 500,000. I understand it's a shit spot. Right. But, but it's still not doing the numbers. It did less than 100, it's a 400,000. The fucking demo was bad too. So you turn around and you go, okay. We're going to give you another hour when we're cutting $3 billion? Yeah, it's not making sense. I don't think, you know, unless they fucking do it for dirt cheap. And by dirt cheap, I'm talking dirt, dirt cheap. And then that's, where's that advantageous for you? Are you making enough money at the, in the, at the, at the gate? Which I don't think they are. I mean, the average AEW show is about $45 a ticket. That's mm-hmm. including like the high price seats in the front, which are not that high. Way cheaper than WWE. And then the cheaper tickets are cheaper than WWE by a lot as well. Yeah. And you're only going to places that 10,000 or less. A lot of the weeks they're in a, in a venue where for 7,000. So like in, in contrary to popular belief, I have eyes, you have eyes, we all have eyes. We know they're not selling everybody out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not happening. We can see that. Yeah. And that's fine. It, it, I'm not, and it's not a shot at them, but I'm trying to look at their revenue source. Like how do you keep pushing on and how do you go to discovery and go, Hey, we deserve another hour of fucking TV. And how can you survive another hour of TV when you now have to rupture more money into the brand? Because if Rampage, which has the AEW name on it, is drawing less than 500000 a week, even with a great card like last week, I don't think Ring of Honor is going to draw that much. When they had TV deals before, they didn't. No, the only thing I could see them doing is really taking a low deal and hoping that it catches fire. And then when it's time to renegotiate, you can go up for more. But, I mean... That's it, it's such a big gamble, like it's it's high risk high reward. My question is, are they in the position to do what WWE Day did and take a loss on NXT, knowing that they took the W everywhere else? I don't think they can. I really don't think so. I mean, you, you think about how this has been, and your flagship show is. And no, no, we don't get into numbers that much. But if you're looking at the aesthetic of it, your flagship show struggles to hit a million a week unopposed for wrestling demos. So now you're trying to add on another show, but you don't have that leverage to really make that play, in my opinion. You don't. I think if Dynamite had been doing something consistently, like I'll even say 1.4, 0.5, 0.6, 0.7, 0.8, 0.9, 0.10, 0.11, 0.12, 0.13, 0.14, 0.15, 0.16, 0.17, 0.18, 0.19,
then I think you got some ground to talk on because that's comparable to Monday Night Raw. But in an unopposed night, what do you have to really challenge with? And you can't just like give them a, a hope and a dream. You got to give them some honest facts. And especially for Ring of Honor, who, let's face it, it's a great product, but what was it doing on Sinclair in comparison? Not great. Exactly. That was a small channel. And, I mean, that had been there for so long that now if you're trying to give them that little exposure on your major programming, which is smart play, but is it enough that you're going to be able to sell them, like, look at the demos they're doing when they're on here. Like, and I'm sure that that's, that's got to be the selling point. Oh, well, we featured Samoa Joe. He's going to be the face of Ring of Honor. Look at the demo or viewership when he was on TV here and try selling that. I don't know how that's going to work aesthetically. I just don't. I think the smart play for Tony Khan as a businessman is to not worry about Ring of Honor TV right now. I agree. What you do is you use Ring of Honor to do like what they used to do back in the day. Every two weeks, put them in a Ring of Honor stronghold city, Baltimore, Philadelphia, uh, Minnesota was a big area for them, uh, Chicago, which is a big area for AEW and Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Put them in, in those places, small venues, fucking like, they, like where they used to wrestle before. Yeah, 2300 Arena in Philly, et cetera, et cetera. And what you do is you just have a touring ring of honor where you can use AEW talent, Mm -hmm. the younger talent mostly, but you know, you can throw a star on there if you want to work weekend dates because they don't work weekend dates, but they can take indie dates. Sure. And you put them on those shows and you build a buzz that way. And how you build a bigger buzz is you have the the ROH titles defended on AEW television. You have Dark dark Elevation, which are both on YouTube. I understand they're not TV, but they're still considered TV programs. Right, right, right. You also have Dynamite, which is two hours. You have an hour of Rampage. So you have three hours of classic time. You have about four hours of internet time. You should be able to, to showcase one Ring of Honor title a week. Mm-hmm. On television, preferably. Dynamite or Rampage. The TV title. You have Samoa Joe. Perfect person to have a belt. Give him the other belt, too. Why the fuck not? Because then you can showcase these things. Then you can go see them on the weekends. And whoever wants to work those shows, you could get guys who are working indie days. Max Caster, I just said, was going to be on an independent wrestling show this upcoming weekend on IWTV. Yeah. So you're telling me Max Caster wouldn't go and for an extra couple hundred bucks or however many it's his prices, I don't know, uh, probably like around 500 to to 1,000, whatever, wouldn't go and be on a Ring of Honor show? Where you could feature him against other guys who you brought in. You don't even have to sign contracts to these guys. You could literally take guys that are already contracted to you, use them in Ring of Honor, and then use some of the Ring of Honor guys as pay poor appearance as an independent contract. Mm-hmm. So they can go out and do other indies, and they're not beholden to you. And if they work out, if they get over, whether on an elevation or a dark or or a dynamite or a rampage, if some of they are, then you can sign them to deals, which means you're not signing a ton of people. And I think that's a smart thing. This is a good business play. And I understand that people are like, uh, that doesn't sound good. But then you end up with bloating things where you have people under contract who are doing nothing. What is Kip Saban did? Putting a bag on his head and going front rows. Right. But what is he doing? No, that's the only thing. He's trolling. What is, you know, we've talked about this before, unfortunately. Sonny Kiss, think very talented, hasn't been on a di- on a television show in over 500 days. Yeah. Uh, you had Joey Janela. Doing dark and dark elevation, not doing shit, flying him in for no reason. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of this, and then it goes back to that old philosophy. Jack uh, Jack, Jack Evans, Evans who just, just came out, said he's not resigned, not going to be resigned at the end of this month. His contract's over. Cool, whatever. No judgments. Mm-hmm. I'm pointing out, and this is what I was going to ask you earlier, and I'm coming to it now because I think it was a better place for it. I understand. I'm not saying the way WWE releases people is good, right? But what is actually better 
a mutual release so you can go somewhere else and apply your trade for possibly money or or holding you to a contract till it pays out. Now I get it. Holding you to the contract pays out, especially if you're allowed to work indie dates. It's kind of cool because therefore if you can still make your side money, still keep your name out there and yet still get a solid paycheck. However, for the company, it doesn't make business sense. Whereas if you release people, come to mutual, I'm not talking to WWE South, come to mutual release. We're not using you. You're not using us. We might not even be happy. You know, can we give you a little, you know, half of what we owe you, a quarter of what we owe you, call it even. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of almost pay out their contract. I think that that could change the game. You would spend a little less money if you're going to pay out half, let them go. Now, mind you, they could still have two years on a deal. And if you're paying out half, you're not paying the full, but you're paying them a lot of money up front. And then they can still go apply their trades to the indies. Now, the argument would be the indies, but the guys aren't still allowed to wrestle some places. Mm. Even if you are allowed to wrestle the indies. Like, if you're a luchador, somebody used to wrestle in Mexico, you can't wrestle for CMLL. Right. Because they have a deal with AAA. So the AAA would be real mad if AEW was letting their talent work CMLL. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. New Japan has a deal with them in Japan. So if you went and wrestled Pro Wrestling Noah, I'm sure they would not be too thrilled about that. Right. You see what I mean? Like, they're, well, actually, Noah's with trip in New Japan right now. So right, right, but still. But, but somebody no, else. But, uh, yeah, but no. But I'm I, just I throwing out a name. Yeah, no, but if I'm doing it, mutual release. I understand about keeping somebody on, especially during the, the pandemic time. I get that. But I think that now that things are, you know, lessening up and the indie scene is exploding as the way it is, why are you keeping on dead money, so to speak? Because if, right. if you're not using them consistently, if you're not building the talent you have there, and basically you're just keeping the toys in the toy chest, that's stupid. Well, once again, that was something Vince McMahon was criticized for. Oh, I understand that. Vince McMahon was criticized for keeping all these guys under contract, especially when AEW just first started, because he was just keeping them there and nobody was working. Remember Brody Lee? Mm-hmm. Late, great, love you, brother. But remember, that was a big contention. Yeah. He wanted to be released. Vince said, hey, no, they just opened up this other company, so I'd rather pay you to sit at home. Right, because at, at that time, it was the fear of the unknown. Because, right. Because Vince, say what you will, he remembers WCW nearly put him out of business. Oh, I understand and, that. And That's he, what, he, he lived. Let's be honest. Vince McMahon has done everything right as far as AEW goes, whether AEW fans or wrestling fans think or know that they do. Sure. Where, where did he go wrong? He put NXT there. Oh, it beat NXT. That's fine. But it kept them from going to a million yeah. for well over a year. Even after it's gone. And now after it's not there, they're still, they went a little over and now have fallen back. So it's not, it's it's still, it, it stunted the growth and that's all it was meant to do. It was not meant to beat and put them out of business. It was meant to stunt the growth. And if by chance NXT got over doing the similar kind of wrestling, then okay, we just get a little extra money, and that's cool. Yeah, you see what I mean. But that is just personal things. Keeping people under contract, waiting until the, the the waters were safe, and then going fuck it, and then releasing everybody. I said it before. I'll say it again. And I can catch a lot of heat. The mass releases from WWE were a direct response of AEW not being real competition. Mm-hmm. Vince didn't have to fear them guys going over there and go ahead and fucking prove me wrong on that because they've taken a lot of those guys. And they're not doing better than they should be. Miro. I mean, we we were fucking the first out there going, man, CM Punk, man. Mm-hmm. He's going to put them over. CM Punk. They get CM Punk. They'll be doing raw numbers. Be real competition. Crickets. Yeah. I don't want to hear this bullshit demo bullshit. No, the, because, the demo thing is nonsense. Let, let me let me throw this out to you. The reason you should know demo is bullshit, Discovery just bought Warner Media. And trust me, their shows were not in the demo. 
Yeah. Because you can't convince me that fucking uh, whatever in Kate plus eight was, <laughs> was, was hot in the fucking 18 to 40 or 18 to 35 year old category. You can't convince me that 18 to 35 year olds that weren't in a hotel room were watching Storage Wars nonstop. Yeah. And those are the shows that made Discovery money through advertisement that then went on to buy for $25 billion. Warner Media. So yeah. don't, don't, let's not get this shit, the T twisted. Now, the demo is nice because that's allegedly where people spend the most money. But I've said it in the past and I'll say it again. Advertisers don't give a fuck. If they make a, if they make a commercial for the, tw- that, that 18 to 35 or 18 to 49 demographic and a 60 year old man buys a product off of that, you think they went, oh man, our advertisement didn't work. Or do you think they went, eh, you don't give a fuck who we catch. We just need to make money. Yeah, just making the money. That's Ladies all, and gentlemen. That's what it comes down to. As much as we like to love wrestling, it's still a business at the end of the day. So if you're carrying dead money on the books, listen, it's a cold hard fact. You're in this to make money. And to let somebody go, like, listen, it might cost you a little bit up front, but it's going to save you long term. But that's why I said it. they should come to an agreement. Yeah. I think this would be cool. Talk to the wrestlers. Ask them what they would want to do. Some of these people would take a fucking early leave. Yeah. Some of these people would. And if, especially if you said, hey, listen, we'll come to Mutual. Uh, you had a year left on your contract. We'll give you a quarter or a half of it, whatever. Whatever is a fair deal. Yeah, sure. And we'll just let you go. Bygones be bygones. Maybe we can do business in the future. Yeah. Guess what people are going to do? I'll fucking take that money. Oh, hell yeah. And I'll go on to the indies and make the money where I was already making. Yeah. So it is what it is. Here's the, Here's the other thing. As bad as people want to believe the release system is in WWE, and I think it's, I, th- I do honestly think that it's fucking heartless. Let's be honest, the oh, way yeah. they do things. But listen, Killer Cross, Matt Cardona just this past week, and many of others, but those are the two in recent memory within the past couple of weeks who've said something, have all gone, shit, they could call me tomorrow when I go back. Well, yeah. Because, uh, and both of them said that, uh, uh, Cross specifically said the financial security that it brings to me and my family is worth whatever fucking risk. Doesn't matter. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. No, it's not. Matt Cardona said, and this this was just this past week, hey, I'm doing the best work of my career. But if Vince called me back and said, hey, you want to come back? He was like, if the number's right and the time's right, I'm going back. Because how do you turn down WrestleMania? Well, that's the whole thing. They get the business. At the end of the day, it's all about the business. And if you understand how this works, you're going to make money and you're going to be able to survive financially in this profession. And that's the deal. Cross gets it. Cardona gets it. There's a lot of others to get it. I was just using yeah. them because they oh, were yeah. they were recent statements. But but that's the whole thing. So for anybody that's in there going like, oh, I can't believe that. You have to look at this not as the fan that's coughing up the money, buying the merch, and buying the tickets. You have to be the performer that's getting this paycheck to live off of. This is how this business works. Love it or hate it. It's it's fact. I agree. And I, I, I'm going to, we're going to move on to the last thing, but the analogy that I would say, and once again, I hope none of this happens to AEW, but we, somebody has to talk about it. Oh, because sure. Because if AEW all of a sudden gets canceled, you have to be like, well, why, how did that happen? Well, it happened because of the X, Y, and Z. Yeah. If it doesn't get canceled, God fucking bless. If, if they go, hey, you need to switch to PG. <laughs> they're going to hey. have to switch to PG because it's PG or cancellation. Right. But they're going to have and, to. And once again. I hope it doesn't happen because I'm liking the brand that they're bringing me. However, for the most part, there's things I still don't like, but for the most part, sure. I like it. But here's the problem. You can't willy-nilly go, oh, it's the greatest thing on the planet. That's never going to happen. You know, I beg to differ. You know, WCW was at two and a half to three million households, which is canned. more, and they got canned when they were there. So it just all depends on how much money's going in, how much money's going out. How, you know, it's a business. And I'll equate it. I understand it's hard as a fan. 
to understand how business affects things. Just like as a consumer, it's hard. I have a favorite ice cream, but all of a sudden that ice cream brand goes out of business. I'm fucking hurt about it. Well, why the fuck would that happen? Well, obviously they weren't making money Mm -hmm. and that's just how it works. But that's the dirty side. Everybody has a business, even churches. And I know religion's a bad thing to bring up, but people don't understand when they go to a church, you always hear it. Why don't they pay taxes? And why don't they do this? Here's the thing. What, what do they do with all that money that they take in? It's simple. Ele- they might not pay taxes, but electricity costs money. Mm. Uh, so doesn't, you know, stuff for the service. Right. Upkeep of building costs money. So there is a business behind everything, including religion and going to church. There's a real, there, honestly, there's a fucking business behind Cash everything. rules, everything including, around. It's not just that though. Like there's yeah. just a basic business. And even as a wrestling company that's owned by a multi-billionaire. He's only Shad Khan is only worth eight billion dollars. I say only. That's a lot of money, but that ain't Jeff Bezos' money. No, that ain't fucking uh, Elon Musk. Fuck around and find out I'll buy Twitter just off of a fucking whim money. Yeah. That's that's literally slow your roll, know your lane money. Mm-hmm. And and right now they have a lot of hands and a lot of different pies. And how much of that eight billion is liquid? So blowing all this money is not the smartest thing to do. You need to find out how to sustain. If you're a good businessman, you find out how to sustain a business. Mm-hmm. Not how I can just dump money into a fucking pit because eventually dad, you know, that's another thing people, dad could just say, fuck it. I'm not paying no more. Yeah. Can the company, you know, hold itself right now? I don't think it can. I'll go on limb and say no. Because I don't see where the revenue streams actually work out to their favor. They just don't. They just don't. It doesn't add up. The TV deal is a light TV deal. And that's what might save them in the long run from this $3 billion cut, but it's still a light deal. The, the, the merchandise goes through pro wrestling tees, so they're not getting full cut. And then they're paying way too much for certain wrestlers. I'll tell you what. You know what? This gives me vibes of Marvel Comics in the 90s. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But once again, to, to fans out there, you're, you're looking at like, oh, but no, you don't understand. You know, they care about the fans. That's cool. <laughs> but they have to care about staying open, too. At the, at the end of the day, yeah, they care about you, but they got to worry about their own house first. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So... It is what it is. And, of course, you know, there's big news coming out of there. Of course, that New Japan AEW stuff. I fully anticipate tonight on Dynamite, as we record, mm-hmm. we'll announce that the super show that they're supposed to have. Allegedly, that's going to take place in Chicago, Illinois, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Yes, nothing as of yet. Nothing as of yet, but allegedly. So there you go. With that being said, let me get on to my little PSA. I'm sure we'll die back in the mud. But kudos as a wrestling fan, entertainment value. AEW, bravo. Bravo. Last mm-hmm. week was actually yeah. really good for TV. But uh, here's the thing. There's more to the game, but there's also more to the game. And I dropped some jewels last week and this week I was going to talk about networking and I'm going to do that next week or the week after, depending on how busy the schedule is. We have a lot to review next week, a lot to preview next week. It's circle six. has got a big show coming up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio next week, which we'll be talking about next week and previewing it. We'll be reviewing the GCW shows. So there's a lot. We'll probably be talking about some of those independent wrestling shows we talked yeah. about. And there's always going to be WWE and AEW news that we have to talk about in new Japan news and et cetera, et cetera. But so this little thing where I'm dropping knowledge about the wrestling business for aspiring wrestlers or even fans that want to understand the business part is 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 kind of like a little passion thing that I did because of having a conversation with some of our friends who are pro wrestlers. Mm. And I've kind of been their Sherpa and kind of helped them see some things along the way. So I figured, fuck it, I'm just going to do it live. This week I was going to talk about networking because networking is a very positive thing. However, I saw something on the internet that did bother me when I did check in. And it kind of tied into last week where you go, fuck, fuck my life. 
this is the wrong image. I saw a couple of people retweeting and sharing different wrestlers who were obviously independent workers, uh, people who I've never heard of. And yeah. for as, and I'm not shitting on them. I'm just saying for as much wrestling as I consume, if they were making the, making strides, I would at least have a fucking clue who they were. If somebody falls through the cracks with you, yeah, that's... I consume way too much wrestling. Saying something. I could name wrestlers that I watched this last week that I guarantee none of you have never fucking heard of because they were on undercards of shows that I was checking out. I've been to a lot of shindies too, my friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, if you don't know what a shindy is, it's a shit indie show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That is literally, by the way, a term coined by the late great Brody Lee. It's hard to call it a shindy and the name is Tuck Up Steve. So if you hear the word shindy, because now you hear it around, it just means it's a shit indie show. It doesn't mean it's a good show. Uh, sometimes even on a good show you have a good match or a bad show you have a good match, but still it's a shindy. But anyways, I see some of this going on and it, it goes back to the state of the lane. People talking about fans shouldn't criticize things, and I'm like that's all wrong. Especially if you're an independent wrestling company, mm-hmm. your fans should determine a lot. Now, if you're Vince McMahon, should you really listen to the fans? Yeah, but I mean he's making money in spite of that. If you're Tony Khan. Should you fully listen to the fans and push everybody that they want that you to push? Probably not no. because you have plans and obviously you're doing well enough that you're making a buzz. If you are an independent wrestling company who is drawing less than, we'll say, 200 people to a show because a lot of independents aren't drawing that. Even the good independents are drawing between five and a thousand, 500 and a thousand, sometimes a little more, give or take. GCW gets up there. We saw them sell out the Hammerstein at 2,200 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's still small potatoes compared to what WWE is selling and AEW is selling. Right. Uh, but as an independent, most independent, com- if you go to an independent wrestling show or watch one, you're going to see that even if it's a great show, there's going to be two, 300 people tops. And a lot of them are even less than that. I've seen shows where you could count how many people were there while watching it on television or in person. With that being said, if you are on those shows and you're a wrestler, the best thing you could do is listen to your audience. And I'm not talking about the fucking moron troll who's like, you fucking suck. And you just, but if a fan says, listen, I don't like your gimmick. And this is why I don't like your gimmick. Maybe you should take that into consideration. Well, you've never been in the ring. You don't understand. No, but they are the person who's paying to watch you. Mm-hmm. And I find far too often people get married to their gimmicks or their ideas or the thought that they've had in their head forever. And the problem with that is, is that you don't allow yourself to grow and actually take the spot that you probably should be in. And that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't uh, explain it more than that. That is just a problem. And I, like I said, I'm not talking about the trolls. I'm not talking about the people that are trolling you and saying you suck. And you're always going to have that. You know, don't listen to the haters. The hater, fuck the haters. But if there is literally somebody said, hey, I saw you on a show. I got to be honest. Your match wasn't good. And this is why it wasn't good. They took the time to tell you that, that in a critique and criticize like that. Because that's what I take when I see criticism. Mm-hmm. See, there's one thing about shit talk and there's another thing from critiquing. And you know what? They have the right to say that. Yeah. And you as a performer, because you're a fucking performer, should go, oh, let me look at that. Okay. If there's something, if you think that there's some validity to it. Maybe make a change. Mm-hmm. If you hear multiple people saying something similar, probably should make a change. If you don't believe that that's true, continue on that path. But to say that criticism is a welcome, you're fucking dumb. Everybody who pays a ticket price can criticize you. Everybody who tunes into this podcast criticizes me, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. Or criticizes Ken, anything that I do. Mm-hmm. That's fine. They might not like what I said. They might not like what I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sell, shilling, if you will. But those are my opinions that are based in facts that I know from doing a job mm-hmm. and also 
from years and years of being a historian of it. Yeah. No matter what it's about. I don't really come off talking about things that I don't know about. And if I don't know about something, I will sit the fuck down, shut the fuck up, and listen to somebody to understand it. But here's the thing. You don't have to agree with my opinions. You don't. But at the same point in juncture, if you were to come to me and say, hey, listen, I think you're, I think you're coming across this way, maybe a little too angry. Okay. I'm going to take that into adjustment. Because if I have like 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever people saying, maybe you should tone down the anger a little bit. Maybe I should tone down the anger a little bit. Somebody saying, hey, you talk a little too fast. Maybe I should talk a little slower. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're just like, hey, you're fat and you're fucking have stupid ideas because AEW is the greatest promotion on the planet or <laughs> WWE is the greatest promotion on the planet or insert like, I can't believe you don't like X wrestler because they're the fucking best. You're a fucking moron. Obviously, I'm not going to listen to that, and no wrestler should listen to you going, hey, I just don't like how you look, or I don't like who you are, I don't like the fact you're a fucking woman, or I don't like the fact yeah. that you're, you know, X, Y, and Z, that you're fucking five foot tall if you're, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Gresham. Like, those things you should never listen to. But the person who literally says, hey, on that microphone, when you cut that promo, you should probably have not, a bre- you know, breathed into the microphone that loud. Mm-hmm. Like, those are things that you could actually take and learn from to become a better performer in a performance art. So when you're like, you know, fans who have never done it can't criticize it. Yes, they can. Because they know what it's supposed to look they're like. They're the paying consumer. Well, on top of this, they're not. I don't make, you know, I understand because I've taken bumps. Mm-hmm. And I've also been there for training stuff. I understand how it all works. So I understand the technical part. But even if I didn't, I could show a wrestling fan a move. And if they're a wrestling fan and they watch wrestling, I could show them a suplex, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I could show them it done by 10 different people. And if one of them does that move wrong and it looks wrong, they're going to fucking know. Yeah. Famously, I've always said, if you copy a move from somebody you see on TV, if you cannot do it as good as them or better, mm-hmm. you should not be doing that move as a performer. Facts. Well, why? Because the people in the audience, when you see them, when you see, they see you do that running up and doing the high knee in the corner, they think CM Punk. And if you don't do it like CM Punk, they're instantly going to go, oh, that sucked. Yep. Now, is that a fair assessment? Maybe not. Maybe not to you because you're trying. But here's the problem. To them, the paying consumer, they know what it's supposed to look like, and they know that you didn't do it right. Right. The same reason why when you hear the you fucked up chants, I know wrestlers hate that. Well, here's the problem, and everybody does make mistakes. you got to brush it off and move on with the match. That's fine. But to, to tell the crowd they shouldn't chant you fucked up, they know you fucked up. Yeah. What, would you like them to sit there and politely clap and act like it's Okay. You know what? You can win them back real quick. I've seen plenty of people botch a move, and two seconds later, the crowd's cheering for them. Yeah. It's just a matter of your composure. Like, not everybody's going to get participation trophies. You have to adapt to the situation you're in. But to go out there and to say stupid shit on the internet and talk shit about fans and get with arguments with fans on the internet, and even though some people prop you up, some some fucking people who want to you know sniff the butthole of the wrestling crew yeah, because they think that that makes them look cool... And it makes them feel like they're part of the wrestling group without being it. As somebody who was involved in the wrestling business and did a lot of work there and was there for a long time, I'm going to tell you that there's never been anybody that's cool like that. I know some people who still do that in independent promotions and they're still ringing bells. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you've been in the, if you've been around the wrestling business for over a decade and you're fucking ringing the bell at a show, you ain't done shit, my guy. Facts. Because I was, I I spent most of my time agenting matches, working guerrilla, booking shows, doing the work, right, filming promos, doing promos, being a part of things. And I'm not saying that makes me better than somebody, but once again, if 
If you put in front of yourself, know your role. If you're happy ringing that fucking bell, I'm the happiest person for you. I really am. I fucking am. I'm, I'm, I'm to the moon. If you've you. reached the pinnacle, hey, God bless. If you're curtain jerking a shindy show, but you're happy that you're part of the wrestling business, I fucking love you. Live that dream. Mm-hmm. But if you are somebody who most people have never heard of, and you're talking shit about fans, and you're talking shit about you know the people who you want talking about you, because the f- problem is, is that when when you don't get the these, I find these people come out when you know the Dave Meltzer's and Brian Alvarez and Sean Ross Saps of the world aren't talking about them because they don't rate. Or we're not talking about them. They don't rate. Yeah. And we're on a smaller scale than those guys, but they don't even rate there. They're going to the bottom feeders, the common denominators that believe the horse shit that they eat. And those people are just happy to be like, oh, that's how the business should be. Yeah. No. The business falls on its ass. If you criticize Vince McMahon for not listening to the fans, but said indie worker says that they don't take cr- constructive criticism mm-hmm. and you fucking applaud that, you're the fucking problem. Yeah. Because both should be listening to the fans to an extent. I don't believe that Vince doesn't listen to the fans. He's, he's got over a billion reasons to make me why he did last year. And he's on the way to do it again this year. And that machine's been running for 40 years. So obviously somebody likes it. Maybe it's not your cup of tea, but somebody likes it. Yeah, he's tapped into the audience. He understands his demo. But but the, but the, you know, the, but that's the difference. Is like you, When you are running something like that, and you don't have to listen to everything, but you do listen to the reaction of the crowd because they're the paying customer. So if you're running that show or you're a wrestler and you're hearing that reaction and somebody's trying to tell you in a in a manner that is criticism instead of just trolling, you got to take that into consideration. Once again, you know the difference. We yeah. all know the difference. We somebody comes in and insults you and says stupid shit, don't fucking ever listen to them. But if somebody literally criticizes and critiques your match and does a review of it, listen, first of all, you should be honored that anybody, even if they're fucking some low-level podcast guy or writer or something that doesn't write for a major fucking outlet... First of all, you have we all had to start somewhere. So obviously you popped on somebody's radar. Mm-hmm. They went to the show and they had the audacity huh, to criticize you. What are you going to do when you get to the dance? Yeah. Let's say that you make it to all elite wrestling. What do you think that everybody's just going to write nice things about you? I, absolutely not. What if you make it to World Wrestling Entertainment? You think everybody's just going to write nice th- It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. So if way. you're crumbling to some guy who's trying to live his own dream in his own small way, I cannot wait for you to meet the first time Brian Alvarez fucking down dresses you. I cannot wait for the first time that Dave Meltzer fucking shits all over your match. I cannot wait on a smaller scale until I see something you did and went, oh, that was fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... First of all, grow a fucking backbone. And this comes in the Kyrie Irving discussion, man. Kyrie Irving oh did the most God. gang. Dude, Kyrie Irving did the most gangster, most respectable thing that I could say about him. And I don't even like Kyrie Irving. You want to know why? He owned that motherfucking shit. He walked in that press conference. They said, hey, you flip some fans off. You talk some shit to him. What happens? Well, they want to fucking play games. You know, play dumb games, win dumb prizes. You want to talk shit about me? Go ahead. I'm just going to let you know. If you want to be about this, be about it. So I gave him the finger. If he wants to do something, he's going to do something. If you don't want it, then shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down. And I went, whew, perfect. That's beautiful. I know some people don't agree with that. The league definitely did. Yeah. But I, I love it. You know why? Because that's how you should treat people who are being disrespectful to you. Mm-hmm. Let your haters motivate you. But at the same point in juncture, if somebody literally took the time to give you constructive criticism and just critiqued your shit and just happened to not like you or not like your gimmick or thought you were shit in the ring, maybe that's where you go, hmm, maybe I should go to training more than once a week. Yeah. Maybe I should hit that gym. Maybe I should work on my moves. Maybe I should work on my promo skills. Maybe I should work on my work and gimmick. 
there's things where you should be taking criticism. There's one thing to take hate. And trust me, you're talking to a guy who, whenever I see guys that I have respect for, perfect example, and I'm not saying it for clout, perfect example, Jordan Oliver had a lot of haters talking shit and it fucking depressed him. I can understand that. Mm -hmm. I was one of those people that dropped into his comments and just said, man, every time I see you get better, you are the future of this fucking business. Keep doing what you're doing and go on the path you're going. You're going to see success. Because you're doing the right things. He's putting in the work, mm-hmm. and you can tell. Yeah. And he gave me the prayer hands back and said, thank you. I'm about those positive interactions. But if you ask my opinion, and Ken's been there for plenty of wrestlers yep. in person who ask my opinion about their gimmick, their look, what they want to do, what they're going to do, what they're di- you know doing. And he's heard me literally tell them in a constructive way. Yeah, in a constructive. Like, hey, no, you're doing things wrong. Yep. Everybody's doing that gimmick. Let's do a different gimmick. Let's look about this. Look at you. What do you really want to accomplish? What is your thing? So some of the things I was talking about last week, I'm sitting there literally having these conversations for 30, 45, an hour with with real life wrestlers that are on the independent level, some higher than others. This is absolutely true. And I'm literally having those conversations where I'm like, well, what, what's the crowd reaction? How's the, how you feel? What are you doing on social? Yeah. Are you promoting the shows you're on? Because that's a big thing. A lot of guys aren't doing that. I see a bitching about everything in the month, but I don't see anything about the next show you're going to be on. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Success is bred from the people who are out there making a difference. They're eating, breathing, living this shit. They're in the gym. They're working. And I don't have to say you have to look like a million bucks. Because trust me, there's a lot of bigger guys I like. Big Jacob Fatu fan. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I'm not shitting on Jacob. I don't think he goes to the gym every day. (laughs) But I can tell you what gym he doesn't skip. That in-ring work, Jim. Yeah. And you can tell. And he's on every show. And he's wrestling a million styles. And that's why he's getting booked. And there's a bunch of guys like that. If you're wondering what sets yourself apart from them as a pro wrestler, if you are like, why does Jacob Fatu get this fucking opportunity? And I don't. What work are you putting in? Now, if you're putting in the same work as him and you're not getting there. That's a different situation. I doubt doubt that's happening. Yeah. There's no way. I've never seen the people who put in the real work. And that's what we're going to get next week. I, if we have time, if not the next week, I'm going to talk about networking because maybe that is an area that you're failing at. That's what I was going to say. Because there is, there is a that. lot of people who are super talented that do not understand networking. But I had to take a side pass to say, stop putting dumb shit on Twitter. If it's a troll, pay them no mind because nothing you're going to say to that person is going to help your fucking cause. But if it is somebody literally trying to give you constructive criticism, like, listen, I didn't like your match because X, Y, and Z. It doesn't matter that they've never stepped in the ring. It doesn't matter that they've never taken a bump. What does matter is that they paid their money to watch you perform and you fell short for whatever reason. And that doesn't mean you should change everything because maybe that's only one person, but you put that in your Rolodex. The worst case scenario, even if sometimes, as long as they came at you respectfully, you should always say, you know what? I'll take a look at that. Thanks for pointing that out. Because you know what's going to happen? That person might give you better constructive criticism. They might see you again and say, hey, Hey, this time you got a lot better. Like last time, maybe it was a fluke. I thought you were great this time. Mm-hmm. Or they might say, hey, you know, maybe you took it. Or maybe you can even take it a step further. You can say, hey, listen, I took your thing under advice, man. Thanks. And you you don't understand what that does for a fan. Yeah. Not somebody to do with the business, but a fan. Because then that person is going to be there to defend you fucking tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. You shouldn't be driving wedges. Fuck the trolls. Fuck the haters. Let them fucking hate because that's what they're going to do. But the constructive criticism, shooting that down because they don't have experience, dude, a lot of people don't have experience. And if you're an independent wrestler 
And I've never heard of you, unless you're not from the United States, Mm -hmm. which still, if you wrestle in Canada, Mexico, Europe, or Japan, Japan. I'm probably still seeing you. (laughs) Uh, That leads me to believe that you should really slow down your role and try to figure out a way so you end up on my radar or somebody's radar that will put you on my radar and everybody else watching IWTV, YouTube, Twitch, and everything else for wrestling. I consume so much fucking wrestling that I should have at least heard of you. And for the ones that I've heard of, keep doing what you're doing and stop this bullshit. Just Mm. fucking keep, build and go stronger. But I've yet to see somebody who I've given constructive criticism to be that person. And like I said, there's a big difference between haters and trolls and constructive criticism where somebody just said, I didn't like what you did. If they give you fucking reasons and it's not disrespectful, that is a real criticism you should take under control. Because that right there is your paying audience and that is who's going to get you booked and that is who's going to move you up the ladder and whatever role that you've decided that you want in the wrestling business comes from that person. So let's do better. (laughs) Uh, Fans do better. Workers do better. And like I said, I will get to the network because I think that that's the biggest failed area of anybody who's doing some of the right things that doesn't get there. They're not networking. And a lot of that goes down to not having, not building up the courage to go to somebody and say, Hey, (laughs) can I get booked on a show? And we'll talk about that next week or the week after I promise, because I do believe in networking and that's really, really where a lot of people can learn a lot and including fans. Cause that that teaches fans how hard it is to go from point A to point B, because honestly, Unless you are somehow hit fire, which means you have to be working for a bigger promotion, mm-hmm. you really sometimes have to go hat in hand. Yeah. You really have to put it in. Like the, like I said, you know, the miles, you know, famously said by Wahoo McDaniels, the only thing real in that business is the miles and the money. And in the beginning, you ain't making a lot of money, brother. You don't hear Steve Austin or The Undertaker or any of these guys go, man, I was eating steaks every week. All of those guys were like, we were living in shitty hotels (laughs) because, you know, that's where we lived. And we were eating tuna fish sandwiches on crusty ass bread with no mayonnaise because we couldn't afford shit. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you have to do that. You can have a shoot job and stuff like that. But, like, there's a reason that hard work breeds success. And that is in everything in life. And your level of success is where you want to go and what you what you put into it. If you put a lot into it, you are going to be successful. That doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. But you will be successful. But, once again, it's how you gauge success. Is success gauged by how much money you make? Is success gauged by how big the company you are working for? Or is success gauged by the fact that you're living your dream out there like most people are? And that is where a lot of people are. And that is a beautiful place to be. So don't think that I'm shitting on you for doing that. But there are some of you who are at that level, but you want to be higher, but you're not doing the things to get higher. And that is really the people that I'm trying to talk to and motivate to get there. And if you're not going to do it, then shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down. That was part of last week. So there's where we're at. So Ken M, that being said, we're finishing up the wrestling show. Hopefully that was good information for people. I didn't want to get too fucking pissy about it, but I just saw a lot of dumb shit that I had to address. Ken, tell the folks how to find yourself in the Ochidora Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there at OD Parlay Hour on most outlets. Check out Parlay Points. New blogs are dropping each day. Uh, T Public Store, the classified section, the directory. All that is the ODPH can be found simply at odphpodcast.com. 8122productions.com for all things 8122productions, killing the three fat nerds, 607TWS, Horizon 607, and more. Just check it out. T Public Store is up there. The, the Twitch channel is listed there. Patreon.com slash 8122productions listed there to support, to help. It's all good. It's all gravy. Just by listening, we're happy enough. That, let's just be honest. But if you want to go above and beyond, you know, 
T public in uh, Patreon is the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, socials, three fat nerds pod, throw an at in front of you. Have to, you find me on every social. Easy seas, peasy, lemon squeezy. You know, I've had a long week. We had a snowstorm in yeah. April. It took out the damn power. Thankfully, mine wasn't out as long as some people. Some people are still out of power. Keep those people, you know, T's and P's. Yep. With everybody who might be out of power here in upstate New York and beyond. Uh, you know, I honestly, I also, you guys don't know this, but I'm wearing KT tape on my shoulder. I have been for two fucking weeks because for some reason my shoulder's jacked. Don't know why. The KT tape's helping though. Uh, but you know, that all goes into my irritation. Hence why I stayed <laughs> off of Twitter. But even when I jumped down, there was still some mild irritation and that's where we're coming from. But if it helped even one person go, damn, then I, I succeeded in life. Facts. With that being said though, thank you guys for listening. We will be back. Hopefully. God permitting. <laughs> Next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast live with 607TWS. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you tune in. Thank you guys for listening. With that being said, for myself, for Ken M. Oh, wait a minute. First of all, we have uh, we, we always end the show, and we're going to end it uh, even on podcast yes. with our friends, Second Suitor. The song's called One Winged Angel. Make sure you check them out. Make sure you also support Tom Jolo, who you are on this show. Make sure you support Floodlands, who does the theme music. Our good friend, Shout, Shout the Robots. The robots. Uh, so many more. Just make sure you're fucking tuned in. They're all on 8122productions.com and odphpodcast.com. Make sure you check them out and give them support because they support us. Uh, so I want to make that prayer. But for myself and for Ken M., Thank you, guys. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later, wrestling fans!
she's walking towards me A smile I see Connect from the top ropes One